Dong Earthlets. My name is Conrad. Welcome to another in our series of Space Spinner 2000 collected episodes. Our goal with these is to collect our coverage of 2080 thrills and storylines in one place so you can listen to them easily in one go. They're a great accompaniment to reading the 2080 collections that are published or just to hear us talk about the good stuff without being interrupted by the other stuff. And it's a big one for this post-Christmas collection as we head out to do everything with Halo Jones! I'm a little trepidatious, but it should be a good time. Halo Jones spans three books. Book one in Prog's 376 to 385. Book two in, is from uh, Prog 405 to 415. Book three is 451 to 466. All three books were written by Sorcerer Supreme Alan Moore with art by Ian Gibson and lettering by Steve Potter. It's been collected many times over the years, and Rebellion currently has both a version with all three books in the original black and white, and one with each book in a separate volume with coloring by Barbara Nocenzo. You can find these, among other versions, on both the Rebellion web store or your favorite bookseller. Halo Jones, it's the third of Alan Moore's Tales of Space Teenagers. Halo Jones is considered one of, if not the best, story to come out of 2000 AD, and often British comics generally. It's the tale of a young woman making her way through a complex and fully realized future society. She leaves home, learns about both love and betrayal, fights in wars, makes hard decisions. It's got soaring heights and shattering lows. Halo Jones is an amazing story that shows what 2000 AD can be. A way to tell stories in short parts that draw you in and make you hungry for more. I think I might like Skiz a little more just because especially the first book of Skiz is just a complete story as opposed to Halo Jones, which might leave some things unfinished by the end of it. But it's still a really amazing tale and has touching moments that I know will always stick with me. I honestly don't want to say too much because I'd rather just let the story and our coverage of it stand on its own instead of me having a bunch of preamble. I will say going in, keep an eye out for more Ziza Future Speak in the first in the first book, how the relationships are teased apart and together in book two, and how savagery is contrasted with civilization in book three. I'm really happy we finally made it to this episode, and with that, let's get to the comics. Episode 117. Progs 374 to 378. June, July, and August 1984. Thrill 5, The Ballad of Halo Jones. So we're completely assaulted immediately by a bunch of words and ideas we don't understand. Indeed, yeah. So script robot Alan Moore, art robot Ian Gibson, letting robot Steve Potter. Um, yeah, I want to, like, so I got I got a lot to talk, to say about Halo Jones. I want to save it for when we finish the series, Fox. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't want to, like, you know, I feel like I've done, I've done you a disservice by, by blowing it up, by blowing Halo Jones up too much already. So I'm trying mm-hmm. not to get too crazy about it. Um... So, but there are some things to keep in mind here. I'd say keep an eye out on like the demographics and the types of characters we see in this story. Yeah, of course. And yeah, then yeah. I, I like world yeah. building, so I'm paying attention. And then and it's, all it's yeah. also Alan Moore, so he's not fucking around. Definitely. And I'd say just in terms of the storytelling and stuff, keep an eye out for the for the relative lack of narration boxes in the course of Halo Jones. You know? Oh, it, I didn't even think about. Yeah, that. think about it. Yeah. Well, no, there's some in the ne- in in part two, but it's it's very short. Um. 
But yeah, so like you said, you know, the big thing about this, especially this first book of Halo Jones, is they definitely just sort of toss you into this story. Um, mm-hmm. We open on a giant cityscape flying out to a huge circular structure in the ocean. As we hear, just um, we're, we're sort of entered into the story by hearing a series of of, uh, of parts of a news report about mm-hmm. this spaceship, the Clara Pandy, which is which is flying into Earth today. And will be uh, disassembled in a month's time. We keep zooming in further and further, um, and, 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 and until we come to an apartment that a bunch of women are living in, and they're planning to go see the Clara Pandy as it flies over, including an older lady named Brenna, her robo dog Toby, and her young friends Rodice and Halo Jones. I'm into. I like Toby. Toby's cool, man. Robot dog. Um, <laughs> the four of them uh, uh, head out. They avoid a bunch of different drummers, which is this weird cult of uh, of people with identical goth slash punk haircuts and makeups and stuff with implants in their heads that make them hear the same beat that they all kind of nod along to. Oh, my God. The, uh, the pandy flies overhead, and Halo is enraptured by the ship, which looks like this giant metallic swan being flown it's in really beautiful yeah it, and it's flown by this fleet of like small sky tugboats and stuff it looks really cool mm. um and really like yeah just like sci-fi adventure stuff for sure uh a man in the crowd demands to know why the Clara, why the why the clara pandy has to be destroyed and gets into a fight with a proximan which is this weird alien chicken lizard guy mm-hmm with the ship gone overhead, tensions start to rise in the area. Another man tries to, like, proposition Rodice, basically, because she's showing yeah. a bare arm, but gets dissuaded by Toby. Um, they head home as, basically, a riot breaks out and the cops fly in. Ha- Halo's distracted and angry. She wants to get out of this place, but Rodice is skeptical. She tells Halo, no matter how far you, you get, they'll fetch you back here and bust you to pieces. Just ask Clara Pandy. I mean, like, it's super dark at the end of this. And uh, mind you, like, um, one of the characters that strikes me as one of the ones I like uh, is Rodice. Like, yeah. she's very, she, I don't know, she's very aggressive, doesn't give a shit. But also, like, what a horrible thing to say. Yeah, I mean, or maybe she, that's the world. Who knows? Well, she's, re- she, she's really tough. And I feel like part of that toughness means that she's also really cynical, you know? Mm. Um, and so that's definitely what, what we're seeing at the end of this, of this first Prague. Uh, yeah. Next up, uh, we go to a, a little night music as Halo and Rodice are at a concert where their friend Ludi is playing a Dota, which seems to be a kind of like bass or cello that's mm-hmm. floating in like this water that surrounds like the stage. Like the stage is sort of in like this little island on a small lake and Ludi's playing the Dota as it sort of floats in the water there. Yeah, this whole place looks really swank. It's definitely. The uh, Girls Go Rear scene, which is one of the few... um N- n- narration box in this story where they basically yeah, it do- always just describes where they are with yeah. just one word as far as i can tell yeah so far definitely yeah so so, so they go there and, and meet with the band uh where rodice fle- uh, flirts pretty heavily with the lead singer box and ludy expresses a lot of dysfaction with her lot in life and admiration for like how tough rodice is and stuff um yeah. and then she sort of expresses worried worried that there were different drummers at the show tonight as the three head home, uh, 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 Halo 
Rodice and Ludi. Um, the streetlights have all gone out, and they're confronted by a gang of drummers that sort of like get up all in their space, but then eventually um, single out Ludi and compliment her on her Dota playing. Though this basically terrifies her. She like you know they like you, yeah. And she's so scared by that, that like after even after they say like hey like we liked how you played and stuff, she like falls to her falls to her knees and like cries basically kind of gives you an idea of of who these people are and that they're terrifying and that you don't want to see them and just the general tension that it seems like all the characters kind of live in at all times especially going out on their own here in this um in this place you know in the place that they live um Mm. the ladies arrive home halo asks um as they do there's an interesting part where halo asks ludy like if she realized that like hey like you know we could have get gotten beaten up or whatever by the drummers and it's only because of your music that they like decided to be friendly instead. So maybe you don't have to be like tough, you know, it's okay that you aren't tough like Rodius because you have other ways to kind of like maybe defend yourself or make a name for yourself or something. Mm-hmm. And Louis just kind of says like, yeah, I've, I've like, I've, I've realized a lot of things tonight or I've learned a lot of things tonight, you know, which. Like, it's also really just dark and sad. It's true. Um, as they arrive, Rodice makes a discovery that the, the apartment the four of them live in is completely out of food. That means it's time for a shopping expedition. Next time, consumer protection. <laughs> and it just, like, going out shopping seems to be something to be completely avoided. Yeah, I mean, well, just from what we've seen so far, like, the this place, it, it, it's called The Hoop, I guess. Um, and it's just a completely dangerous place that, like, you don't want to be out in too long. And so just the idea of, like, going to buy food and stuff is um, is a major undertaking, you know, and something that is, like, to be afraid of, you know. Can you imagine if D&D sessions were there? <laughs> I mean... You are hungry and need to buy food. Yeah, I mean, kind of, like, you could, I mean, you know, this stuff's ripe for having character, having situations like this. But so what do you think of uh, these first two parts of Halo Jones here? Uh, I mean, it's it's like the same sort of feeling that you got out of, um, out of Skiz, right? Like, mm-hmm. not a lot needs to be explained, right? Like, I think that's the biggest problem. And you're sort of seeing this. This is like new new comic book style for the time mm-hmm. being done versus like the old comic book style, right? Where there's these pictures, but everything needs to be described in a box in terms of like how characters are trying to be or perform or what actions are being undertaken or where they are. Whereas in this, they just sort of let the pictures take into it. You fill in the rest with some imagination and like context yeah this is part of what i like about alan moore is that he's he's not spending this time explaining like um what pseudo portugal is or uh (laughs) anything like that it's just like nah man like this is the the day-to-day situation and you feel the tent like you were saying you feel the tension in these girls already like i didn't know the importance of the dog until about part way through and it's just like oh because you kind of need some protection yeah. I mean, I'll say, yeah, I definitely agree. Like the idea of opening sort of cold and just kind of having like news reports or a TV thing kind of open the story up is a very sort of modern way of telling a, a comic book story. I think it's like, mm. it, it, for instance, it's how I think uh, like The Dark Knight Returns starts, for instance. Mm. 
um, and sort of not having, not relying on a lot of narration boxes. I'll say that, that it's different from Skiz because Skiz, if you look at those early ones, actually has a ton of narration boxes. Oh, really? Um, yeah, because it's a lot of like sort of, because there, they're sort of establishing how oh, alien whoa. like the ship is, you know, so they're sort of like having like big narrations of like, you know, you know, interpreter Zix's had to like recalibrate the thinking, the thinking gr- grass or something yeah, like that so, aboard the but- ship. But he was also doing that, like, so first it was to to explain esoteric stuff, but then yeah. he was playing around with it being like a joke, where it's just like, um, you yeah, know. Yeah, where it's, 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 it's not, a lot of tech gibberish as opposed to actual words and stuff like that. Well, I think, yeah, it's true, but I feel like, yeah, I'm just saying that, that it's a different, you know, they're yeah. both doing the same thing of sort of tossing you into this sort of sci-fi setting and, and, and expecting you to pick things up and get going on your own and well, stuff like that. That's what fantasy is. It's a fucking fantasy. Like, yeah. No, I'm I mean, not saying I'm not going to get too into this. This is like part of the reason why I'm not uh, like a huge uh, Star Wars guy or even Star Trek guy anymore. It's just like, <laughs> man, space wizards are not hard. Yeah. And, and like, you just look at fantasy and you make it like this. It feels like this mix between, um, uh, what's that cyberpunk, uh, kind of. D and D campaign. I'm I'm thinking of uh, Shadowrun. Yeah, it, it feels a little bit more Shadowrun, less elves and, and dwarves and things like that. But mm-hmm. um, definitely has that kind of feel where it's like weird shits going on. Yep, there's a lot of tension. It's not it's not safe. Like the world is not a safe place, or at least mm-hmm. their world isn't. Um, with what I consider like Alan Moore's incredible ability to characterize people. Like, even though they're just archetypes right now, you can already see, like, the world is having an effect, at least on Luddy. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. it's something to keep an eye out for as we go through Halo Jones. I will say that um, I think it's a good thing to pick up on. Um, this is something that early letters of 2008, um, that my understanding is that in the early days, especially when Halo Jones was first coming out, people did complain about being confused and not kind of knowing, like, what terms are and what's going on with things and stuff. Yeah. Um, confusing. Yeah, I mean, one thing we'll see later in this story is they, is they will have kind of a breakdown of what the setting is and sort of how things work and stuff like that. But I'd say it's interesting to look at the difference between um, how how we see Halo Jones start in the in the comics and how uh, some of the other sort of big stories we've seen start in in 2080. I'm thinking of like mm-hmm. how when Slain starts, there's a whole bunch of like text of just sections that are just literally typewritten of like here's a glossary, here's like the history, here's terms you'll see and stuff. Yeah. Or even like at the end in this prog where they have a bunch of um. Of of uh, Ace Garp uh, trucker terms, right? Where they're yeah. sort of seeding it so you know what's going on in there, as opposed to Halo Jones. It also has a lot of like jargon and terminology and characters and stuff, but they just sort of say like, "All right, like you're going to figure this out on your own." Essentially, you know, I, I'll be honest. I never read those things, like the supplementary material. Yeah, I, I mean, did. I did yeah. read like the the slain stuff. Uh, that Pat Mills put out, like that mm-hmm. was interesting, like his experience and what he was reading and all that stuff. But like the supplementary stuff, while it's fun and funny, 
you know. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I get what it's for, and I don't need it because, like, the comic does a good enough job of just being ridiculous and giving you context clues. Yeah, and I think it's easier to pick up on those context clues also when we sort of read for a week and sort of go through oh, sure. things and stuff. I feel like those yeah, add course. more value, especially when you're sort of waiting week to week and you need something more to read or something like that. Of course. But I mean, I mean, it's it's just it's. I think it's interesting, and I think it's an on purpose and telling detail about Halo Jones that while they have that stuff written, they don't. Show Show it to you at first. They're f- like the the idea is for you to be kind of disoriented and go through this story, trying to figure out how mm-hmm. things work as you go, as opposed to having it all laid out to you at first. It makes the story feel kind of alien and interesting, and makes you want to learn more about like what this world is, who these characters are, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and I'm excited for more Halo Jones, man. Um, you know, we're probably going to get it for like two more episodes, basically. It's not a very long story, but it echoes through the ages, and I don't want to talk more about it until we get to the end of it. <laughs> or oh, man. Awesome. Uh, about, about that part of it until we get to the end. Of course. Anyhow. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It, that's just how cool it was that we had to take just a, a, a two-issue, uh, I mean, you know, prop. I mean, yeah, I mean... It is really, it is a really important thrill. So it's important. So it's good to talk about, to discuss things. But I, I don't hate it. Yeah. So hey, far. that's good. That's, that's especially good. Episode 118. Progs 379 to 382. August and September 1984. Thrill 2. The Ballad of Halo Jones. Oh, God. In other words, the thing that I, I just, I love. This comic, Conrad, oh, awesome. is great. Awesome. Yeah, script robot Alan Moore, art robot Ian Gibson, letter robot Steve Potter. So our first story is a consumer protection. So news of the Clara Pandy remains the same as Rodice plans her and Halo's route to go shopping as Brynna lists an incredible amount of stuff they need. I Just, mean, <laughs> like things that I didn't even know I wanted. For instance, algae rhythm, or perhaps a drum of Nullsept. Yeah. I mean, it sounds of, very delicious. A lot of crazy stuff, for sure. The ladies are suiting up. Halo asks Ludie if she wants to go, but she says no, apparently, to keep rehearsing. Again, this is suiting up to go grocery shopping. I mean, it seems like a pretty major trek, to be fair. Um, That's what I love about what happens. Yeah. They, along with Toby the Robo Dog, head out. And uh, there's just this great, like, super busy scene here. And, oh, sorry. I just want to say that this opening part is really great because it's just, like, you know, these four characters of, like, Rodice planning the trip, Brynna, mm. like, listing what needs to be done, and, like, Halo being worried and Toby being very gruff make it just like this – um Almost like screwball comedy kind of thing, where there's just well, everybody's talking sort of around each other and stuff like that. And it makes it a very, like, chaotic, very active scene that really sets up the rest of this story. I really like we it. Also, we also see Ludi uh, sort of being uh, tempered a bit. Like, yeah. she's not going to go out, yet there is a reference later that makes you question whether or not she actually did. Yep, absolutely. Um, so they head out. As they go, we get a news report that uh, the Claire Panty is about to be break be oh, broken down, and everybody's real news. nervous about this it. This is gonna fuck yeah. up your day, apparently, if you're trying to get some groceries. Well, yeah, because they make they make cuss you. Yeah, they make it onto a jammed pedway, and suddenly new new news comes out. Algae Baron Luxroth Chop has uh, bought the Claire Pandy, and it won't be destroyed. 
But just as the ship's destruction caused a riot last episode, this time it being saved causes another riot. <laughs> well, and and what's great is that uh, they, or rather, she factored in a riot. She was like, "Well, figured the riot would happen a little later, and it would be right. about the Clara Pandy being like destroyed, completely yeah. destroyed." But actually, now it's not. So that's thrown a. a as yeah, it's the, the spanner in the works. Spanner in the works. Exactly. Beautiful, Conrad. Yeah, we you know we're, we're trying to get English, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so Halo comes to post riot, and they're way behind schedule to compensate. Cussed, yeah, in she fact, got behind yeah. schedule. It's tough, man. It's to compensate, Rodice has them take a whole bunch of shortcuts through uh, updraft corridors, like Willy Wonka so and the Chocolate awesome. Factory. And then, a, and then a and then a a a a suicide garden, yeah, an exit garden, yeah, where they where people in this sad future go to like painlessly commit suicide. And Reduce is like, we're going to cut through it. So if anybody asks you why we're leaving, just say that you saw the funny side of it and <laughs> decided not to go. <laughs> it's it gets dark and hilarious, and then dark and hilarious. Yeah. Like it's again, it's an Alan Moore as done by several frogs of alan moore absolutely they, they go down through this massive garbage flow that like people with like uh, uh fish nets. tank nets are like pulling things out of they're they, just trying to get some stuff i guess right. maybe yeah. but but whatever we're on to the next we scene. gotta go there's and then sneak past a couple groups of mean looking robot guys to finally oh. arrive at the northwest quadrant at a 495 because they got decimal time but uh, god damn it i was wearing heels today and i guess it's cutting the Great. Yeah. First, well, first of all, they're two minutes late. They arrive at four ninety nine, and that's a problem because Rodice gets her heel caught in a floor grid, which means they miss the hoop flex, which is basically you know they're on this big like circular construction in the ocean, and sometimes like big super waves come through, like regularly it seems like, and so they have to uh like sort of open up parts of the hoop to allow these big waves to go through. But it's like when a bridge raises, you know, you got to wait for it to come back exactly. down. So it could take hours. Yeah, because this and we one, don't want to sleep out here. Yeah, it won't be back until five eighty, which will completely screw up the plan. Um, there is a, you know, they they are behind schedule and they've lost it all. But then Halo has an idea because they can go out outside the hoop and take the magnet tracks on the top and oh. uh, get to the mall in record time. There this were- is a real problem for uh, a woman who since now has been hardcore parkour yeah but when it comes to her life she's lived inside all of her life so going outside seeing the upside yeah is impossible yeah they, their worries are over Terrifying. except for except for zenades namely the zenades that rodice is going to throw if anybody makes her go outside and i and i will tell you i did not understand the meaning of zenades well, yeah, that's why they they actually that's have our awesome. we have our first big narration box in the next prog, basically explaining what a Zenade is, which is basically a uh, a grenade that brings on a feeling of peace and zen in everybody affected by it, which is pretty hilarious, actually. I mean, it definitely makes sense for an anti personnel weapon. It doesn't kill the person; it just sort of blisses them out and lets you escape. Um, so seems all right, except that oh shit. This one isn't working. Yeah, yeah. Rodice throws one, and it's a dud. 
uh, and so she gets real pissed about this and she starts like grabbing them off of the bandolier on I mean, her shit, She doesn't want to go outside. F you for trying to make me go outside. Yeah. I'm really freaking out. And she's just throwing the duds and aids on her uh, um, on the ground until one is live and goes off with a mighty oh. I mean, hey, she's at peace now while everyone yeah. else is like, are you alright? A crazy blissed out Rodice is perfectly willing to go outside with Halo while Toby makes his own way because cause Saltwater's no good on robot parts, and he'll meet him there, basically. That's pretty fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, the In the big empty above the hoop, Halo and Rodiz board this small kind of like a, like a car rail rider thing, and burn tracks to the mall with Rodiz coming to midway through, and hardcore freaking out. Like, super duper freaking out. I mean, if you are really afraid of open sky, which sounds like a horrible horrible thing to be scared of mm-hmm. uh i guess that would no, be it makes, a nightmare it definitely makes perfect sense it's just also kind of the way they do it's kind of funny i guess ian gibson has a lot of fun oh, showing no, how great. how terrified rudy's is um, so, I, I mean it takes up like half a page yeah. it's great she, uh, they manage to get back into the hoop without much trouble, and the agoraphobic Radice is happy to be safe back in the hoop, except for the gang members that are threatening to beat them up suddenly, of course. Which apparently are just mall hooligans. I love it. Yeah, they're a hipster gang. They show up and insult oh Halo God. and Radice's clothing choices. Like, no, those boots are so last year. <laughs> it's really fucking fabulous. Rodice threatens to hold them off with a sput stick, which they also make fun of. Like, the an oblong weapon, circular weapons are what's in this year. <laughs> they, get- they actually make a, a note that Zenades are in. And what she's got is not, and yeah. call out the place that she actually bought it, because they're like, oh, clearly you bought it here. So these are shop heads. Yeah. So this, uh, so this sput stick is a spray can that's supposed to make it throw up, I guess? Unfortunately, Rodice triggers it near an air vent, and uh, it sprays back at her, and the gang members just kind of walk off in a huff, disgusted with Elatia. <laughs> I mean, do you really want to touch someone who's just vomiting randomly? I mean, if I want to beat him up enough, probably. But anyhow, um, once <laughs> <laughs> she stops puking, Halo gets ready some new clothes, the cheapest oh, available fantastic. stuff. Yeah, it's kind of like a gothic French maid kind of look. It's, and it's possibly horrible. It's like, it's very future. And then Toby rejoins them as well. Finally at the mall, it's time to shop. Halo sees like a Dota and thinks about getting it for Ludi. And it's weird because the one that mm. she's looking at has kind of scratches and marks the way that Ludi's does, in fact, which is uh, just uh, disturbing a little bit. Maybe a payoff, maybe not. I guess we'll find out, but mm-hmm. apparently not this episode. Yeah, the gals start to head back as we hear word of General Louis Cannibal's actions on St. Ruth's World. And uh, they go to catch the Ring Roaster, the Ring Roadster, I should say, which they miss because it came early, which is BS because buses should either be on time or late, Fox. Early buses is bullshit. I'm going to tell you right now, living in Berlin, strongly agree because everything is later canceled. Well, I mean, that's just the way it is. Like, if you post it on the thing, you can't be, like, early and you just miss it. Like, that's ridiculous. Yes. Yes. You wait for the time or you cancel. That's all I want. Absolutely. So to wait for the next roadster, the gals have to wait for six hours hanging out basically at this uh, bus stop with a century lizard man named Sniveling. Uh, well, st- I mean, his name would be Sniveling Earthquake if he gets enough money to buy the second name. Yeah, of course. And then they start to like go to sleep as the darkness closes in for the night. 
And it seems pretty peaceful, although uh, I will say to everyone out there, please don't sleep at bus stops. That's not a great idea, but yeah. that's fine. I mean, at the very least, you want to kind of have a partner and sleep in shifts at the, at the most. Um, but yep. So we get our first narration here, besides the Zen Aid thing, as Halo writes to herself aboard the Ring Roadster that she is on as Rodice and Toby sleep. The, uh, the... Partially talking about how Rodice is slobbering on herself, which I... <laughs> Madly yeah. respects because you see that when your friends are sleeping, they're just totally all over themselves. <laughs> it's 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 cool. Like sort of early in the morning, like the hoop is still waking up. Beggars are going to their posts and stuff. We get a real sense of Halo's like dissatisfaction with her life. How much she doesn't like being in the hoop and wants something more. Um, the girls finally arrive back at Brenna's, and as they get there, Toby gets a scent of something and heads off concerned. The pair enters the house and find Bryn- and finds Brynna's hollow soap skipping and her notes on the floor. Like she's always taking notes on sort of old, old, old hollow soap operas and stuff. Um, Halo goes to Brynna's room and finds horror. In quick cuts, we see this ruined, ruined room and in the wreckage, what's clearly Brynna's body. To- Toby must have smelled the blood. Next time, when the music's over. You know what's really horrible? Is that that is what Rodice says near the end and yeah. uh, really ups the stakes for this comic. It's yeah. like this this dog who already didn't want to go, mm-hmm. wanted to stay. Um, like that's kind of the payoff that you feel like is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I should have known better given that it's Alan Moore. Right, um, there's going to be some kind of tragedy. I mean, always when in stories, there's always a tragedy when things oh, come back. Oh, you of know? course, but... Uh, very rarely do you see like the the wreckage of a room and i i guess in a way the the foot of a person as opposed to the person's body um but it's just enough to make yeah. you kind I mean, of it's... realize how intensely horrific it is yeah it's really affecting it's one of these things where um i've seen this in like movies too where this sort of someone walks in on a scene of like of like great violence and tragedy and instead of showing you the whole, like maybe they'll show you the whole scene for a second and then they'll just focus in on like a couple things. Cause I feel like that's what happens, honestly, if you've ever, yes. like maybe not in, in like a, like, like a, like a murder, but even like when something bad Violence. happens or something, you'll, you'll, Violence. yeah, when you come across a scene, you'll, and you're in shock for it, maybe you'll pick up a couple details, even like, unnecessary details, something like, you know, like, oh, like their shoes untied or something like that. Um, that, that will stick with you forever. And I feel like this is one of those, like an example of that as, uh, as, as Halo and Rudy's find uh, Brenna's body and stuff. And it's twice now that what you've asked me to read this week has yeah. cut so deep, Conrad. I don't know. I can't handle it. I can't handle this kind of serious, awesome greatness, but then followed by, real tragedy you gotta and, have and, these uh, uh these these low lows to also have the high highs buddy that's what i say I, i'm just saying they're taking me real serious with my feedback now it's starting to cut deep i'm you know listen like you know you don't get a halo a reputation like the story of halo jones has without um having some bummers in it you know um a real bummer drummer you know, I'm going to – I don't want to talk about, like, what's going to happen in the future, but the, there may be bum- more bummers to come with this Halo Jones as just as an overall story. 
Episode 119. Progs 383 to 386. September and October 1984. Thrill 2, The Ballad of Halo Jones. Oh, man. It's so good. (laughs) It's so good, Conrad. It's true. Uh, Script robot Alan Moore, art robot Ian Gibson, lettering robot Steve Potter. So uh, we see from last time uh, Brenna's body being taken away as Rodisa's questioned by um, the Rumblejacks, who are these hoop cops, basically, Mm -hmm. who are repeat criminals that have been lecuotomized and reprogrammed to be police officers, essentially. It's just a spectacular kind of just world building point. But very, yeah, very dark, um, as always with Halo Jones, um, except for one officer who actually is a volunteer and says that he's an old friend of, of uh, Brenna's and says, you know, she's, she was quite a woman. Yeah. Rodice was giving him a real uh, like talking to and he's like, look, uh, like. I get it. You're angry and all of that. I knew this woman. Yeah. Um, I knew her too. I'm bummed also, yeah. you know. Exactly. And then he just walks off never to be cited, at least in this part of the story again. Yeah. Which I think is so much more affecting. Though he does, be, before he goes, he re- assures them that uh, Toby, Brenna's Ripper, will, you know, handle these, ki- handle her killers. Like, don't worry about that. Like, he's a the kind yeah, of model man. that will get that, will settle that, and there's like, you know, save his boys a bunch of work, basically. Good model, the 47 Iliac. Yeah. Um, Halo and Rudis are completely gutted by all this, and things go from bad to worse when Ludi returns and she's become a different drummer. Oh my god, that was totally uh, her... What? I, I, I keep uh, forgetting Dota. the name of it. Yeah. Yeah, it was totally her Dota. And yeah, and it's a, like, we haven't really talked about that much, but sort of a a little side thing that's been happening sort of as Halo and Rodice were making their trip and stuff was we'd sort of hear snippets of news reports that made it seem like her band from the start of the story, mm. uh, I-7 or whatever, had be, has been signed. Like to yeah. a, a record label and stuff, and is going to be successful. But um, I guess before that, it looks like Ludi sold her Dota and used the money to get uh, the different drummer implant, basically. Well, and and how it's described, especially, it's like she kind of puts, and this is all uh, some some straight up text, but some subtext of like other things that we haven't seen. But she's just like, mm-hmm. you guys like put your off world ideas on me. While I'm just, like, kind of this trembling person living in this, like, uh, you know, fucked up hoop society. Yeah. And this is how I feel safe now is just to kind of regress into not thinking and not feeling and to just have this beat and to be a part of this growing group that, hey, man, we protect each other and I don't have to think, you know? Yeah, she makes a big deal about how, um, like... She really felt a ton of pressure from Halo, especially. Yeah. Um, because of her talent, like Halo put a lot of, seems to have like sort of tried to almost like offload some of her hopes and dreams of escaping the hoop onto Ludi and like Ludi just couldn't handle that. You know, we've saw like sort of hints of this, like before they left, yes. especially, right? Like yes. you can see there were little seeds. Yeah. As you sort of go through, you can see the seeds of this sort of in Halo's interactions and stuff. Um, you know, get out of here, get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. Yeah. And like, also, if you'll remember, um, 
I guess two episodes ago when they, you know, right at the start when they left that concert and they were confronted yeah. by the different drummers. And she after, was terrified. She was terrified, but also kind of realized that like one, like they would be welcoming to her. They liked her performance. And like there's an interest, there's a scene that has a lot more weight now where mm-hmm. um after that confrontation, Halo said to Ludi, like, hey, like you saw like your musical talent like kept us from getting beat up, right? Like, you know, your talent is important and powerful instead of just being tough like Rodis. And uh Ludi said, like, I learned a lot of things tonight, which yeah, now which is super ominous, right? Su- yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and it and it gives you insight into the hoop because at least as far as uh spoilers book one is concerned like i might not see this character again as a as an act one point right Mm. like this is this is the first step towards them just getting the fuck out of here yeah i mean it's definitely one of those things that's is like this is a you know living on the hoop is a bad situation you know Mm. inherently i you know i want to talk about a little bit here just because um if we do a collection or something but yeah i mean we sort of learn in the back material in one of these in one of these progs sort of that the hoop is basically for people who don't have incomes it's sort of a dumping ground for for the poor essentially (laughs) like people who yeah who can't who don't have a who don't have jobs sort of in in future society um and you know from what we've seen like with exit gardens and other things like that it's Mm -hmm. also very much a place we're just supposed to sort of exist and die and if you want to die ahead of time that's fine too and that's just a tough situation that's um, a horrible situation yeah, oh and, my god you know and you're just in there and you're in the hoop all your life to the point that you know you're like Rudis and you go outside and you have like uh, and you're uh, traumatized by it like like you're terrified yeah. of the open sky you know um it's real sad it's real tough um and it's something that I feel like more does a great job of letting you get a sense of and especially without here, telling you directly yeah, without telling you directly, but just like that, we sort of, we, we've reached a point where Halo makes a choice because we've basically seen the options that someone has in the hoop. Yeah. Right? Like, you, it's you're almost gonna, like it's a story. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. But I mean, you know, but like, she's at a point where she's oh, no, like, I didn't um, mean that sarcastically. Okay. Sorry. Um, but like, where it's, you know, at this point, like, what are the, you know, what's going to happen to you if you live in the hoop, right? You're going to get killed like yeah. Brenna. Before that, you're going to just lose. Like, to survive, you have to give up all sense of identity like Ludi to become a different drummer, dressing like all the other drummers, hearing this beat that connects you and stuff. And that's um, and that's sort of what I mean is, like, the power of of how he does this storytelling. Because this is now my uh, second run of of something that Alan Moore has, has done in this sort of longevity comic. Like, mm-hmm. he is a, like, a story is structured in such a way that it doesn't treat the reader as stupid. It treats them as attentive, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And in this case, like there are two things that he's counting on. The first is his own storytelling. And the second is how that visual storytelling happens. Yeah. Right. Like I, I love how you pointed out and I swear to God, we'll get to the rest of this. In no, a I'm second, yeah. but, You know, I mean, this is like, the, this, the, you know, the, we're book one ends here. So I think it's worth talking yeah. about it for sure. But like, uh, you know, you you pointed out, and I loved this because I I hadn't noticed it until you did hey. that there were no descriptive cards, and I think that that's so telling, at least with like him trusting Gibson to just do mm-hmm. what Gibson does, right? And Gibson trusting him to just do what Moore does, right? And uh, like it, everything feels so. Uh, you know, uh, conducive to telling 
a story. And, yeah. and I know that sounds sarcastic, but it's like a lot of people can't tell stories. Yeah. Stories are hard to tell and stories are hard to get people to draw into and, and think about. And this is one where, you know, every frame of like characters or, or whenever a shadow goes across Halo's face, uh, you know, just before she sees Ludi and, and it's just a dark shadow yeah. uh, cast across her. Like, you know, that some fucked up shit's happening. And on that same page, you can see it and your mind is kind of fucking blown and, and you didn't want that to have happened to this nice girl. Yeah, the way um, Gibson draws Halo's face, especially in these moments of tragedy and sadness is really amazing and really yeah. um, brings you into the character and stuff. But yeah, okay. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> With Ludi, they, you know, so Halo and Rodis leave Ludi sort of nodding along to the beat of the drummers. Um, crying. Yeah, crying as she does. And they're crying too. It's all bad. Um, there's a lot happening at once, but Halo decides to make a decision. She's going out, out of everywhere. Will her problems still be there when she comes back? Who said anything about coming back? She's gone, and Radice runs after her. I guess it's time to go to Manhattan, where a horrible person says horrible things. Yeah, yeah. We well, we go to a quick like one page prologue here as Halo and Radice take the steps to head Manhattan side. They turn in their welfare cards, and they get a whole bunch of warnings. Yeah, from this like border agent who is a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> basically it's not nice and we also just learn that it's hard for hoopers in manhattan like you go you can go to manhattan but if you try to go to you know leave manhattan in any other state you're going to get shot um if you're in kind of a fancy neighborhood and the sun goes down on you you should probably expect to be shot there's apartheid zones for aliens to keep humans and aliens separate they actually say apartheid zones um it's it's uh, horrible they, it's, they actually say no no drummers beyond this point quarantine for the weird tail turtle guys yes yeah the uh what the proximans um yeah Yeah. it's um yeah it seems like it's like it's a real you know it's a very um yeah like real tough future world especially for ones that like now that halo and rodice are sort of and like leaving going into like in an attempt to basically like like make their fortunes essentially um as they go they walk through this big um Sorry, and the job cast is low, unlikely to find work. (laughs) I love that there's a weather forecast for jobs. Yeah, they walk through these sort of misty, spooky streets, sort of in between the hoop of New York City. They hear footsteps coming up behind them. Oh, it's Toby, the RoboDog Ripper, I guess. Yeah, bittersweet. He really really (laughs) does not want to talk about what he's just done. Indeed, something with Britain's killers. Um... But it looks like Brenna left a legacy program, and now he belongs to Halo. Oh, well, that's nice. I mean, it's a good thing, I imagine, because I, I like Toby, despite Rodice not liking Toby. Yep. Eh, whatever. Um, anyhow, uh... Yeah, so they go in after a t- they and we and we basically sort of cut like a cut past sort of a uh, a job search. People saying no montage, which happens off screen. <laughs> wow! But there's clearly no jobs in Manhattan, but <laughs> there might be jobs out of Manhattan. Oh! If you take my meaning, they um they got one guy they're talking to at like a landscaper job. Basically says um that there are some ships at the shipyard that are leaving soon. That will probably be taking on new hires interested yeah, hey, why not? yeah interested the gals run down to the spaceport and what ship is hiring 
The Clara Pandy. Oh, oh yeah. man. And Rodice, I think I'm in love. <laughs> yeah, real fun. Get to work on the godship. But, um, yeah, the gals talk to a guy who works, who's working on the Clara Pandy. He's like a welding stuff as he talks oh to God. them. Oh, my God. Maybe like a, maybe like a, a Louisiana kind of drawl. I don't know. He's got, well, he's got a super drawl, but he also just talks incredibly fast so that every sentence is um like like one big word you can sort of figure it out if you like say it out loud and stuff Ah, it's really it's really intense yeah it is super fast it seems like a very kind of a future way of talking almost like it's like a Mm. like a where sort of you know your words words kind of run together and stuff like that just kind of fun um but basically, it seems like they they're the the pandy is hiring on for hostess duty for a two point five year trip for nine thousand credits, which seems like a lot. The uh, they're the both Halo and Rudis are really stoked about it, but it turns out there's only one job opening. Uh, okay, they, well, which one of us are gonna go? I guess. Yeah, they start to like have a discussion about it, but it turns out that they're really looking for someone that can speak cetacean. Which what and uh, cetacean? By the way, is the like uh, the the designation for marine animals, like a oh. whale or a dolphin or a porpoise. Those are all cetaceans. Okay. Um, Rodice doesn't speak it, but Halo does because um, I guess she was a Rittit Rickty fan club member. Yeah, which is apparently super embarrassing. Like a, it seems like it's like a boy band or something like that. Presumably a dolphin boy band. Oh my <laughs> god! Rodice is shocked. Halo gets the job, and there's some. I think there's some really funny banter in here where. Mm-hmm. Rodice just basically like spends their final moments making fun of her for being in the uh, Riddy Rickty fan club. Like when she's like, "Yeah, you you have to take this job. You got to get off world because I'm going to tell all our friends that I mean, you were in this fan club." <laughs> and and in a way, especially with how we close this out, I feel like it's uh, again like knowing Rodice's character as this like force to be strong. Uh, overly aggressive, protective, needs to know uh, situational awareness kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. this is her way of just saying, get the fuck out of here um, without sort of letting down the guard that she's had to build up the entire time she's lived. Yeah, this is definitely something that, um, yeah, from what we've seen for sure, yeah, Rodice really like answers any like moment of like uncomfortableness or emotion by sort of putting up this kind of fun sarcastic tough face you know and exactly. so th- this and so this thing sort of really lets her kind of keep her facade up um as halo agrees to take this job and head out basically especially at the end man where yeah. she doesn't even leave yeah, they go, and uh, sh- so Halo and Toby get aboard the ship. Rhodesia says she'll get a job on the next liner out in a year. They'll meet on the planet Charlemagne, where all the ships stop to refuel for the outer systems. They'll meet at the, at the uh, Solid Air Club, where everybody goes for drinks, and the last one pays. Um, so, yeah, Halo and, and Toby head aboard the Clara Pandy. The great ship is once again hoisted by helicopter tugs. As we hear, uh, Swifty Frisco, the, uh, news, re- the newscaster come on, you know, and just gives final news reports. A, a robot has hatched some chicken eggs and we get a talk of, uh, Louise, uh, General Louise Cannibal, uh, who might be moving troops into the Tarantula Nebula, but he sort of, uh, plays it off. And mm-hmm. the Clara Pandy taking off for the stars. 
The ship goes, and we see Rodis standing on her own, watching it go. The and end of walking both- off yeah. into a night. The end of Halo Jones Book One. Oh man! Holy goddamn! If that's <laughs> just not great work, absolutely. So Halo Jones will return in Prague four oh five. So only about ten Prague's from or twenty okay. Prague's from now. Okay. In uh, in early eighty four. So I I will accept that. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is going to be done in less than a hundred progs, I should say. Um, oh my god! Are I you should, serious? Yeah, and I should tell That's you, beautiful. you know, I've been sort of holding off on this, but man, it really can't be understated how important this uh, thrill is. Like for two thousand AD, um, I, I mean, you can sense it yeah. just from like these first few issues. I'm really glad that that you're enjoying reading it because it is really a big deal like within like 2000 AD like lore and stuff like that like I, you know I can't whenever I can't yeah. believe it. Like whenever there's a list of like big thrills it's always at the top. It's definitely one of these things where um you know it's one of these stories that always gets reprint. It's like a it's like, you know how whenever there's like a new like audio format, like the big deal mm. is like when they like reprint like the Beatles catalog or something like that. Sure. So Halo Jones is like that. Like there's a new, you know, every like couple years is a new definitive version of it put out. There's actually one as we're recording a new one's being released, um, oh, wow. which is in um, this time it's being released in full color by uh, Barbara Nocenzo, who is an, an, an Italian uh, female uh, colorist. And yeah, it's a big production here, and it's just something that always, um, yeah, is such uh, a key part of 2000 AD. You know, if you look at any like montage of 2000 AD characters, Halo is usually there, like in a real visible spot. You know, even in like the uh, ABC 2000 AD, like the the, vi- the weekly mm. videos they do, like Halo, you can, you know, one of the characters that they linger on is always Halo Jones. It's a it's a big important character and one that 2000 AD uses as their standard bearer a lot. Um, you know, obviously not like an American culture, but I feel like in UK culture, you see a fair amount of Halo Jones things. It's been made into, I believe, both a play and a, and a musical or a, That's an, awesome. an opera, maybe. Um, and then you see little pieces of everywhere. Like, um, when I, w- when we first started our coverage, I like looked up Clara Pandy to see if the name came from somewhere. And I didn't find that, but I did find just sort of like a, uh, a sad rock band from England <laughs> called Clara Pandy that has like an EP oh and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a really important like thing for 2000 AD. And, you know, it's a big milestone that they have. You know, both in terms of just being like this example of Alan Moore's writing and Ian Gibson's art, of it being a, you know, this female driven storyline with mostly female characters and stuff. Um, and just frankly, just, a, you know, this continued move that we saw with Skiz to sort of to a slight, to a more mature kind of set of subjects for 2000 AD, right? This idea that I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not like I think it's good. No, no, of I'm course. saying I, I I'm, just think yeah. treat kids like adults because kids want to be treated like adults. And I mean, the other thing is also just that, you know, the like 2000 AD has an incredibly stable user base, right? Um mm. like it's sort of open with 100,000 um readers in 1984 it still has 100,000 readers. <laughs> like there's a little bit of churn but it's way different than i feel like like i've heard people talk like i've i've heard industry people talk about say marvel comics in this mm-hmm. same era where they basically you know if you read like uh, marvel comics the hidden story the the, the history the, 
Yeah, uh, industry guys will talk about how the nature of the beast is that sort of you you by every four years you have an entirely new um reader base as oh just God. sort of people go from being an eight year old to a twelve year old reading a comic and then you turn thirteen and you're sort of more interested in other stuff, you know. That's why a lot of times in comic stories repeat and stuff repeat like maybe not precisely but sort of je- concepts do where they bring things up just because they know that like if a story from five years ago there's really not going to be anybody currently reading comics who's still reading comics that's different for 2000 ad though which is super uh stable and so you know at this point if you were like a 12 year old that's reading 2000 ad in 1977 you're still reading it and you're 20 years old you know if you were an eight-year-old reading 2000 ad in 1977 now you're like 15 so i kind of don't disagree with that notion like yeah. I, I I did once upon a time enjoy comic books until they were all just the same things yeah. a lot. I mean, it's what the... And yeah. that's one of the things that's keeping me, you know, doing this podcast, reading this stuff is that it's yeah. not boring. No, and it's, 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 it's growing up. Yeah. And it's, and, well, it's evolving and it's, man, it just like grabs you a little bit and it, I don't yeah. know, it's arresting. So, so yeah, so, you know, I mean, it's, but it means that... They, 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 they want to tell more mature stories. They have a more, more mature base. And part of the start of that definitely is, is here with Halo Jones. Um, and and this new story and something that's going to sort of be leading the way for, uh, stories to come and stuff like that. I'm really excited to get to the next part of Halo Jones. I really love, it's one of my, you know, I mean, like big, big surprise is one of my favorites. Like, (laughs) oh yeah, like, whoa, I, I think my favorite movie is Casablanca. That's right. (laughs) Or something like that. Shots. Yeah, exactly. But like, you know, like, oh yeah, one of the all, one of the like acknowledged greats is like one of your faves. Okay, buddy. But you know, I mean, still like, there's something to it. It's so, it's really amazing. And I'm so glad that we've finally gotten a chance to talk about it on the show. Really looking forward to book two. Really, really looking forward to book three, which I think is the best one. Episode 126. Progs 403 to 406. February 1985. Thrill 5. The Ballad of Halo Jones, book two. Ha Yes, yes. Yeah. And I love how it starts. I just love everything. Totally. So- <laughs> yeah, man. Script robot Alan Moore, art robot Ian Gibson, letting robot Steve Potter. Fuck you, Halo Jones is back, buddy. <laughs> Dude, it's so great. I've, I'm so happy right now. Totally. We start like 1,500 or so years from where we last ended in 6427, where Jesus. a professor at the Institute for Parahistorical Studies is starting a course on Halo Jones herself. Um, wow. Apparently over the centuries, there's been a lot of rumor and distortion about her, and he's been studying her and uh, just trying to clear things up. we got a ton of foreshadowing here, some foreshadowing that isn't even going to actually happen in the comic because I, um, when it was first written, like Alan Morty and Gibson sort of planned out like 10 volumes, but they only really got to do three. Um, oh. But you see, they, they say uh, like she was a war criminal who aided in the slaughter of millions. She met historical figures like Lux Rothschop, uh, Louise Cannibal, and Sally Corsa. And at this oh. point, we get like a recap of the first book of mm-hmm. Life in the Hook in the Hoop and its desperate sadness, and it sort of sets our story in forty nine forty eight. We it's a really cool way to catch people up if they didn't see it. 
Mm-hmm. And as them being surrogate students for the whole thing, it's very neat. Yeah, and it really um, refreshes it in in my mind as well. Just sort of, and also sort of explicitly does some stuff that was mostly implied in the first one. You know, mm. um, I, I love some of the mistakes that are made. Like, like students call out stuff like, "Oh, you know what? Like, didn't she escape with her boyfriend, Rod, Rod Rice?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's cool. It's just sort of, I mean, like, you know, I mean, it's a pretty specific piece of information for someone from 1500 years ago, right? I mean, I don't like, I don't like it. It's hard, you know, you have to be a pretty specific, um, or it has to be a pretty specific person for you to know somebody from, from our perspective, like 500 AD, right? Exactly. Um, A Cleopatra like figure, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, and even that's like from even further back, but like, you know, it's like, uh, like, um, I, I think of a, I think an example would be like uh, the guy from that show Vikings, uh, Ragnar Lothbrook, right? Like who mm. has sort of – we know who his sons are and all that stuff. But it's sort of like, yeah. um, you know, a specific character from a specific time and stuff, whatever. Um, <laughs> we um, we see – yeah, so it sort of recaps the previous version. We see her heading out on her own. Um, and the lecture ends with more – with uh, talking about more of her traveling, how she went to the ends of the galaxy. He uh, – the professor talks about how she saw places that aren't there anymore and then mm-hmm. talks about her most famous quotation that anybody could have done it, which I really like. Um, well, and what's called out in this. So this professor is doing this and this um, student uh, calls it out as anybody could have done it. And he's yeah. like, oh, very good. And there's this thing that's kind of happening where the student is obviously very interested in this professor, mm-hmm. right? Like. Uh, and you know some some fallen professors, etc. Yeah. But like she's following him, and and they're talking about oh you know so much. I was very impressed with like how much you knew as a student, and you know she's kind of digging into his past and like why like that she really was moved by by his talking. Yeah, she didn't have that much time for love, did you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like oh I did, I did have someone I loved, uh, but they died. Oh, recently, I'm so sorry. No. 1400 years ago. Yeah, he loves that Halo Jones, buddy. Damn. Halo Jones. <laughs> that it, it was it was one of my favorite endings like this whole thing. Super like okay, you can call all of what we read a recap, but that yeah. super personalizes it, it humanizes it, grounds it in this thing that No, uh, I mean, yeah, no, I think it does a really good job of 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 bringing the character in and of um explaining why this why this story might might be important, you know? I mean, um, exactly. I mean, it's very much like, I mean, the important thing to know is that, like, Halo Jones was kind of weird when it first came out. Some people liked it, but for a lot of people, they kind of bounced off it. You know, I think in, uh, in like both on, both in social media and in the 2008 forums, a couple of people talked about this, how like they were reading the comic at the time and maybe they didn't understand it that much or something like mm. that. Um, so this is a good way to get people into it and just sort of like, you know, kind of tease, like wet your, like a, like tease your appetite for Halo Jones by sort of saying like, you know, there's more to this character than you might think. This is the first start of a massive story and stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, like it's important and you should pay attention to it, which I think does a really good job of doing that, you know? Yeah. And I, I really suggest people who, who might not have read it since to like give it a shot. So like I'm I'm starting to love this almost more than Skiz at this point. And Skiz just like touched my feel zone. Nice. Yeah, I think um you know the 
it's important to to look at these guys like sort of from you know in total you know and so I think yeah. like get, getting a chance to sort of see you know Halo Jones's three books it's hard to judge it by just by the first one but this second one has some really amazing and um, heartbreaking moments I'll say. oh god damn it <laughs> um, so let's get started with a postcard from Pluto. A lot of narration in this book of Halo Jones as opposed to last one because mm-hmm. we see her writing letters to Rodice, who she believes is going to be meeting her um, like at Valhalla because she's supposed to be getting the next ship out basically, which we'll see. Yeah. Halo's aboard the Clara Pandy. We get to know her cabin mate, Toy Molto, who is a seven-foot-tall cool. lady who's hard as fucking yes. nails, buddy. She's real yes. cool. Um, she is really awesome. Totally. She broke There's wrist when uh, when someone tried to touch her. <laughs> That's right. There's also another person in the cabin, but Halo can't really remember her. If it is a her, who so knows? Kind of a stowaway, maybe. We'll see. Yeah, it's a weird thing. Um, Halo has to wear a silly outfit with her job, complete with a wig for her hostess job. It's very or, fancy. You know. Oof. I just think the wig is real crazy, especially because oh, yeah. like it's very poofy, and then like their uh, the uh, leotard or space leotard thing they have to wear also has like these furry shoulders, so it looks like it, the the wig's continuing down their shoulders, basically. It's weird. It's super fancy though. Halo is impressed by this lady, uh, Suzanne Godlier, um, a socialite. Oh, yeah. um, uh, yeah. Suzanne Golider. Golider. Thank you. Um, no problem. Yeah, I, it's hard to pronounce these things. I'm all over the place. No, I, um. I, I, I specifically looked up the same because there's. I remember there's like some other fictional character who's a Golighter. And, uh, I, uh, I remember like uh, it's, it's a play on words. Uh, I, I remember Holly Golightly from uh, Bre- Bre- Breakfast, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Speaking of uh, Asian stereotypes, I guess. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, but she's a socialite with a familiar voice for some reason. She's also quite taken by Mix Nine Gold, the ship's handsome cyberneticist. Um, mm-hmm. Halo's also spending time with the ship's steersman, steersman, who is a cyborg dolphin that swims in a small pool, which is very cool. She talks to it in cetacean, which is like dolphin noise. You're like, eh, 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 I can't do it anymore. Oh my god, I've, I've forgotten how to speak the language. She's uh yeah, she's also spending a lot of time with Toby the Robo Dog, who actually seems in very high spirits after Brenna's death. Well, um, yeah, he's also getting his memory uh spools replaced soon. Yeah, it seems like there's like domestic stuff. Yeah, like Toby needs his memory spools replaced. Um Halo has to leave food outside this one mysterious cabin. Um Toy thinks it's the cabin of uh industrialist Lux Roth Chop, who we who who bought the Clara Pandy right at the end of of uh, Halo Jones book one. Mm. Um, who and who is also apparently aboard the ship is this like you know mysterious millionaire guy. Halo signs off, and as she does, she bumps into Mix Nine Gold in the observation platform oh, of the this Pandy. Is, this is such a slice of life piece of gold. I love this <laughs> totally. Yeah, they look out at the stars from the observation deck, and Halo points out one as being particularly beautiful. But Mix lets her know that that isn't a star; it's the solid waste disposal trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Next time on Halo Jones, exercising the dog. Wait, why not? Man, I love it. 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 I love everything. This uh, storyline, I'm real hooked. I'm excited. Totally, yeah. It just really throws you in um, into the Clara Pandy and just kind of lets you get to know things and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. wor- you know, this new world Halo Jones is living in and stuff. It's very exciting and just like a new sort of slice of this future that we can see and like spend time with her with and stuff. I love that um, 
the the navigator dude says the steersman is a dolphin. Yeah, that's great. Um, I also like the dude who comes to get her that says like, hey, he wants like some company that can speak it. All of his words just run together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We saw him when they were getting the job um, at, yeah. at, at the spaceport. You know, it's a recurring, recurring oh, yeah, character right. who talks all like smashed together and stuff. But mm-hmm. it feels like a very kind of futuristic thing where like maybe like, you know, pauses and stuff like that. You know, you, you get a like weird, weird future. Of them. Yeah, there's like weird future dialect things and stuff like that. And I, I also. Mean, Ricky, Ricky, Icky. Kiki, Kiki, Ritikitiki, Exactly. Yeah, and I kind of like all like it's funny. I I love this dolphin just because, um, yeah, it's like a, a a cross between like the or no, it feels really Dune inspired. I guess yes, like the uh like those guys with the like the the guildsmen with the spice and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it in turn feels like it inspired um giant mnemonic where's that where there's that a uh, code cracker dolphin um oh yeah in there as well in both the short story and the movie for that but yeah man all right that's <laughs> yeah, such a great comic read it spread yeah. the word i mean you know it, of all the 2000 ad things like saying like hey you should read this halo jones feels like the le- like the thing you have to do the least in terms of like <laughs> like like, hey, do you know this? Like, I'm I'm trying to think of something else that's like where there's a whole bunch of things in one superlative. I don't know. Like, wow. Like, have you tried like 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 yeah? Like, we're gonna eat like the steaks from this cow, but you know, I've heard the filet mignon is actually pretty good. Like, that's like a good part of it. You know, you should check it out. <laughs> that's great. Episode 127, Progs 407 to 410, March 1985. Through one, the Ballad of Halo Jones. <laughs> man, shit gets dark real quick in this. Yeah, <laughs> man. <bad>. Totally. <laughs> uh, so, script about Alan Moore, art about Ian Gibson, letter about Steve Potter. So, uh, Toby, the robot dog, of course, uh, and, and, and Halo's uh, bodyguard or uh, companion, is headed to the cyberneticist to get his memory tape replaced. And Halo's going to a uh, uh, hangout with Steersman Kit, the uh, dog. Man. I love the banter that they have here because he's like, yeah, I'm going to get my spools done and whatever. And she's just like, you're really lucky. Uh, cyberneticist, cyberneticist nine gold can replace my memory spools anytime he likes. <laughs> <laughs> like, All right, dude. Yeah, she's so Go get into, you some. Yeah, she's so into mix nine gold, buddy. <laughs> hey, man. It's a great name. Totally. So, uh, but, but when she arrives at the steersman's cabin, she gets a gun put against her head because it's some terrorists. Oh, God, these damn terrorists, but they're trying to stop a war and such. Yeah, it's funny because they talk in kind of this weird, like, future talk. Like, they kind of have, like, like, like you know, I, I, I guess like they're speaking, like, English is their second language or something. So they kind mm. of have some malprobisms and some and an odd way of talking that's sort of, fut- I don't know, it feels futuristic to me, I guess. Um, yeah. They contact the captain and say they're from the Tarantulan Emancipation Army. We've heard a little bit about this war with the uh, Tarantula Nebula sort of brewing or like pe- both sides sort of starting conflict and stuff a little bit in the background, like in the news reports. Yeah. With Louise of, 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 of Exactly, yeah. Um, so they have a list of demands. And they threaten the steersmen in Halo with death if they don't get them. There's a very funny part where they're <laughs> like, you know, like, no, don't kill the steersmen. And the girl, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's so played. It's like, wow, life's cheap. Yeah, uh, I mean. But I, there's there's also some subtext here where it's like uh, these these dolphin navigators are part of a, 
a guild or some kind of like um I don't know, some kind of big deal thing where it's like if one dies, that's going to cause some tension. Yeah, like we heard deal. we heard a little bit of talk about that in the first book too, just in news reports and stuff like that. It seems like mm-hmm. there are kind of strained relations between humanity and uh, the dolphins as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as this is happening, it's all broadcast to the whole ship, and we see Toby go into like oh, murder awesome. mode to save Halo. Like, um, there you is know, no other word for it. I mean, yeah, it's exactly like actually, uh, like like Zombie Dread last episode, where I said that he goes mm. from like cat and mouse mode to end game mode, basically. <laughs> like, like that's what Toby that's is. He, 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 he books into the steersman room, bursting through a wall even, and quickly takes the men down and a clear, and like clearly terrifies Halo in the process as well. Uh, well sh- I mean, his, he's like dripping with blood from his mouth most of this time. Yeah. I was going to say that, uh, like, like ship security arrives and Toby's like, where were you? And he's just covered in blood, although it's black and white, so you can't really tell, but like it's dripping from his I mouth mean- and there's pools of it and stuff. Um, yeah. I, I really love how, yeah, Gibson just does this, does an amazing job of depicting like the, uh, the pure rage in Toby's face as yeah. he runs through the corridors after Halo and stuff. I mean, he is not going to lose someone again, which I think is like, if you thought Toby was this like snarky, cuddly dog, mm. twice now you are wrong. It's true. <laughs> so, yeah. He's a killer. Yeah. Totally. So, um, <laughs> uh, Halo and Toy are hanging out in their room when their mysterious roommate, oh, uh, Glyph, gets their attention. Yeah. And uh, which apparently is difficult. I This is so sad, a backstory, and so beautiful, you man. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, so Glyph tells their story, and it, it basically seems like they got uh, sex reassignment surgery, like, constantly. You know, it's it's the far future, so... It's not quite like the, like, you know, like the big deal it used to be in the old era. It seems like they can do it pretty easily. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's just a minor operation for the most part. Yeah. And Glyph got it, got, had it done so often that they lost track of who they really, who they originally were. Um, and just kind of lost their identity in general. They'd changed so many times. Um, but and it every- seems to have had that, like a knock on side effect as well. Yeah. Cause everybody else seems to have lost that track as well. And eventually Glyph develops some sort of like a superpower almost where yeah they're completely ignored yeah they're so ignored and unrecognized it lets like you know like the landlord like moves a new family into their house and stuff like that but it also means they can like sort of go where they want so we see glyph like just like uh walking out of the supermarket with food or like just just living with a family and just not even being noticed as they like sit at the the breakfast table and stuff with everybody else or you know all walking up crazy yeah, or like walking aboard the Clara Pandy and just hanging out with Halo and Toy all the time. Um, Where she's been for three years, basically. Yeah, no one notices. Or they, I should say. Right. And indeed, um, by the time Glyph finishes their story, Halo and Toy have started watching hollow dramas again. Like they don't even, they didn't even like stick around for the whole thing. They just sort of lost interest and, and went elsewhere. Um, it's like the, it's like a dark realism about this. And it, it comes through with this month where, yeah, like, Man, that's real grim, and it's not even like you. It's not explained as like a, a they're they're assholes and they don't care. It's like this well, you, is yeah, just you, yeah. You can't do it. I mean, Glyph isn't like angry about it. They sort of recognize that like they've got this thing, and like someone paying attention to them a little is like their dream or something. So even Astounding. a little bit is yeah. something. Um, really yeah, horribly sad. 
Yeah, I love the design on Glyph. Like the uh, mm-hmm. Ian Gibson makes them like super androgynous, and the and, and the lettering's really cool here too, because like all their word bubbles have a uh, lowercase letters, which is unusual yeah. in these comics, you know. So it makes them it makes it sound like their voice is very like quiet and like you know unassuming and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's been a lot like. Glyph is one of these characters that gets talked a lot about. Um, if you're if you're talking about Halo Jones, you know. Um, oh, that's awesome. Like I, well, you know, I, I think it's really cool to see a non-binary character like this, like someone who you know isn't sure what who, you know who feels in between the two um, uh, two genders, sort of. Mm-hmm. You know, it's unusual in a comic in 1985, especially like a boys like science fiction adventure comic in 1985. You know. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, it's very open-minded. Yeah, I, th- you know, I think sort of of you know these days it feels also you know it's also kind of problematic just with um presenting people who go for reassignment surgery as sort of confused or doing it on a whim i guess yeah Yeah, um you know and it's also kind of a bummer this idea that a world like you know three thousand years from now would still with easy ways to alter your physical body we're still stuck with a binary gender you know what i mean Um, sure you know it's one of those things that like you know i can sort of see it but it's also kind of hard for me to talk about just sort of as like you know uh uh, cis white straight guy sort of operating at maximum privilege, you know, like, um, <laughs> sure, sure, but I, but, but there have been a lot of articles written about this and people talking about it and stuff like that. Um, you know, and just sort of, you know, to sort of have it, have the discussion about whether Glyph is, is a good character in terms of like queer representation and stuff like that. Uh, as, as I, a, yeah. I think as a basis of discussion, that's a, that's a good thing. Like if the comic is generating that kind of discussion in general. Like, yeah, that's kind of what I was looking forward to with this is that even regardless on where you fall in it, and sure, some of it was a little like uncomfortable for me, but it also, you know, how at this time, how many of this type of thing was being broadcast as uh, oh, what yeah. is an important character, at least for this month? No, absolutely. And I mean, it's definitely to me, it feels like a groundbreaking breaking comic book character, you know, I mean, mm. In, in comic, you know, comic, like a comic book can get like, you know, major praise in like, ma- in mainstream media for like a homosexual character that's incredibly stereotypical just because they sort of exist, you know. So this is a little bit more yeah. complicated and I think more interesting. Um, I suggest, you know, there's a lot of stuff, you know, if you sort of put in like Halo Jones glyph in like Google, you can find some interesting things. I definitely recommend, um, the Mega City Book Club's, uh, coverage of, of of Halo Jones, especially the second um, art um, episode of Halo Jones, where they sort of go into this, and then also the uh, the Game of You story, which also sort of talks about like trans and non-binary characters, these comics and stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. So you know, awesome. It, yeah, but it's it's an interesting thing, and it's just sort of like yeah, it's 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 cool, and it's got and it's definitely cool for like 1985. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, and, and 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 worth pointing out, sort of talking about a little bit. I don't know, but uh, yeah, why not? Totally. So let's go. Uh, Halo and Toy are on the job. Halo is missing another natural of wonder of space at the viewpoint of port. Apparently, she's always doing something else as they go whizzing by. <laughs> uh, and we see them sort of doing stuff like, you know, uh, toys yelling at some random ki- kid in the background. Yeah, um, there's this kid again. I've seen this kid in a couple of different parts of the comic so far. And I'm thinking there's there's something there. I mean... I can't tell you this stuff. We'll figure it out next time. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. The uh, Halo then goes to, or or, or Halo delivers drinks to to Cezanne Golier and uh, then picks up some food for the mysterious presidential cabin. 
getting a hard time from these sort of visored identical security guys. Which, whatever, man, these yeah. guys. <laughs> uh, she goes to investigate and find some rats. And, uh, sorry, she, she, uh, Goes in and she looks at the door at the food and finds out that it's just gruel. And then she hears some sounds coming from be- behind the door. She goes to investigate and finds a couple rats at a computer terminal. They Which are, whoa. yeah, they are the Rat King, or that's how they introduce themselves so awesome. through typing on the computer. Yeah, you know, Rat Kings are a real thing. I don't know if you knew that, Fox. Um, what? Well, it's like you know how if you have a whole bunch of cables and like eventually they just kind of get all tangled up and stuff. Okay, so, yeah. like, if a bunch of rats are kind of stuck in a confined space for an extended period of time, so their their tails will do the exact same thing with a sort of, you know, just like if you had, Whoa. like, f- five video game controllers and all of those controllers were, like, alive and moving on their own volition, eventually just the wires would get all tangled up. The same thing is with the Rat King, where if they if, if a bunch of rats are caught in the same place at once, they will um sort of all their tails will become knotted and they'll be sort of stuck in one thing, you know. Do they become sentient? No, they mostly <laughs> just sort of die. But uh, <laughs> that's the oh man. That's a, oh. But yeah, listen. Like, if you want to gross yourself out, you can find the uh, pictures on nope. the internet. Um, I'm good. But yeah, it's Pass. you know totally. Yeah, the the Rat Kings is one of those things like crabs in a bar- in a barrel. That's one of those uh, natural occurrences that are also good lessons in human interactions. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> one of the yeah. uh, where you know if you're stuck in a confined space with a bunch of people eventually you find yourself connected to them in ways that are difficult to undo <laughs> mm-hmm. so one I, of the rat yeah. final fantasy house <laughs> that's reference <laughs> so uh one of the rats is dying one of the rats in the king is dying and they need halo to find a new one and more does some very interesting things with the language for the rat king where like it refers to itself as in like the first person, but also the plural where they're mm. like, where they're like, uh, like I am the rat king. One of we is dying, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah. Halo must not fail or tell anyone about this because if the rat king dies, so does she. Which I've, I guess <laughs> if like a, like a grouping of rats can get the presidential suite, it could probably get you. Certainly do something. Yeah. So Halo's having a devil of a time catching one of these uh, uh, semi stainless steel rats that wander the decks of the pandy, you know? (laughs) Like, you know, they aren't actually robotic, but, you know, they're in that situation that the stainless steel rat always talks about, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So. Um, eventually, so, you know, she's trying to do it. It's very, uh, difficult, sort of like, uh, Arya catching cats in like the first, uh, bo- in a, in a the Game of Thrones book. Um, nice. but, um, eventually after sort of a lot of like discussion and stuff, uh, Glyph arrives and offers to help Halo because the rats don't notice them either. Uh, they're happy to be assistant of assistance and hands the rat to, uh, Halo, but Halo like sort of forgets about it right away. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's really, it's real crazy. Just this example of this like ability that, um, that, that Glyph has. It kind of reminds me there was a, there was a Doctor Who villain, um, whose name I forgot at the top of my head, which is real, um, ironic. But, um, basically, <laughs> if you, when you, it's this monster, but when you look at, like, at, when you aren't looking at it, you forget about it. Um, and so, but then, and they're really terrifying when you are looking at them. But so it means that like, you know, someone will, there's points where someone's like turning their head and they'll see the, uh, the monster and then look away and just be like bright and happy and stuff. And it's really, it's really crazy. It's really terrifying and sort of a scary, a scary version of glyph. Um, (laughs) but, um, yeah, speaking of noticing also, I just realized that Halo's hostess costume has this poopy lamb's tail on the back, Mm -hmm. which is freaking me out as well. (laughs) Anyhow, 
hey, very poodly. It's true. Yeah, like like poodle slash lamb or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Halo takes the rat back to the Rat King, which quickly in- integrates it into its collective. Halo disposes of the body, and because like she had to miss her shift to chasing rats, she got yelled. She gets yelled at by Toy, who in her cabin we see a couple times is um, going against this like arm wrestling machine, which is pretty and just funny. Breaking them yeah, she she bre- breaks several. Yeah, totally. Um, Halo sort of says like, "Oh, I just realized that." Um, I have to tr- that I, I have to trust a bunch of rats and toys like oh you're you're, eight, you're an eighteen year old girl and it just took you that long to realize it, <laughs> which super fair. <laughs> wow. Next time on Halo Jones, memories are made of this. Oh wow, uh, man, it was good and I'm real sad for Glyph. Yeah, super sad. I really totally. Hope, I really hope they get noticed at some point in a more. Re- yeah, I mean, it's definitely an interesting character and um, an interesting character for this setting and stuff. You know, we learn a lot of, yeah, we're just learning a lot about the characters and stuff and sort of learning about, like, Halo and uh, and all these other guys aboard this ship now. And that's really fun. Yeah, it's good setup for, for some awesome stuff that, or really horrible stuff that I imagine is coming down the pipe. <laughs> I can confirm horrible stuff, but that's it. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Episode 128. Progs 411 to 415 March and April 1985 Through 1 Halo Jones Book 2 I feel like I should have been just prepared after reading Skiz (laughs) and like reading Book 1 God damn Alan Moore (laughs) (laughs) Yeah it's uh it gets pretty yeah it it, it gets right to it in sort of yeah this uh in this thing so script robot Alan Moore art robot Ian Gibson letting robot Steve Potter Eight months out, and it's time for the turn in Halo Jones Book 2. Yeah. Halo's bringing some parts to Mix 9 Gold and tries to ask him to this equator party that's happening that night, but he's mostly oblivious. Yeah, dude, like, what what the actual butt? Like, he's, uh, I don't know, he's a dick. Yeah, I think that's basically the answer, is that he's just sort of a dick and doesn't recognize that, like, Halo's trying, even, like, attempting to talk to him more Mm. than anything else, you know? So much so that when she's trying to ask, he just kind of pawns off the like audio tapes. Yeah, well, uh, it, from it, Toby. Yeah, because she's trying to say like, "Oh, like you know, I'll be all alone and just sort of missing my friends." And he and he's like, "Oh, well, we can't have you doing that." And she thinks she's gonna he's gonna ask him, and so he says, "Oh no, like don't miss your friends. Like take Toby's memory tape, and maybe you'll be able to remember your friends and and their and their memory and their voices can keep you company, which is ridiculous. Um, which is a horrible thing to yeah. say to somebody. <laughs> but so Halo gets Toby's memory tape, and um, she goes to listen to them, and yeah, so being lonely. Uh, meanwhile, Toy has been asked to the, to the party, and she's going to wear this splatter smock, which Halo helps spray, and is pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, and we learned that uh, Toby is on patrol that night. Later, Mix bumps into Toby and tells him about the memory tape, and Toby freaks out and braces Mix against the wall. We cut to Halo in her room, in her bathrobe, sort of reliving the events of book one of Halo Jones, basically. Um, like, it's you know. at this point that I think it's just like... She's going to hear him, like, ripping into the people when he went on this hunt or, like, Mm -hmm. something really fucked up to that extent. So much worse. Yeah. You know, we hear uh, Rodice getting hit by her own Zenaid and then the two of them having to go above the the, the hoop to go go shopping. And Toby couldn't come because the salt air would uh, apparently rust him or so he said. Instead, though, it seems that instead of just taking a shortcut, Toby went back to their apartment and having learned that he's been willed to Halo, we hear him murdering Brenna. Which the, is just... Yeah, it's, it's, 
it's heartbreaking and the art on this page is amazing we see the way halo's face like falls like she was happy and we see her like being shocked and horrified turning to rage and sadness as she reacts to the truth and then morphing into fear as a terrifying toby enters her room i did it all for love which oh boy pretty scary Meanwhile, there's a party going on. (laughs) (laughs) People talk in politics, and I love what's being seeded here, Mm. actually. So as they're kind of going through talking about the the tarantula nebula, and like, hey, what's really going on and what do people think? But they're they're giving these clues of just like, hey, you know, well, they could be doing this or they could be doing that. One of which is apparently uh, something called a rat war. But you need something called like a like a rat emperor. Or something. Yeah. And though that's yeah. been outlawed for centuries. Those things don't exist anymore. And we're just like, wait a minute. Yeah, I love yeah. this. Um, that kind of gives you this sense of dread here. Mm-hmm. Um, Toy, meanwhile, is just thinking about her soaps and doesn't really care about this stuff. Meanwhile, and comments yeah. on it and everybody just kind of goes flatline when she does. <laughs> right. <laughs> meanwhile, Halo is getting very nervous about Toby with good reason as he professes his love for her, spins a story about going to Capex world to get a human uh. body and stuff. But as he does, she, he sees she's clearly not into it. So he's going to have to kill her instead until she smacks yeah, you know, until she smacks him inside the head with Toy's robot arm wrestling machine. Uh, Halo runs as Toy's date gets uh, chats her up and like tries to like you know puts his arm against the wall and stuff like that, but keeps calling her Joy instead of Toy. Which I mean, not bad a, call. Yeah, especially for someone who's like two heads taller than you. Basically, uh, oh. to- Toby gives chase as Toy smacks some sense into her date and heads home. As Toby manages to bite Halo's ankle. Which oh god! And mind you, mentioning that he has like razor sharp teeth. Yeah. Toy finds signs of a struggle as a fleeing Halo passes Glyph in the hall. Halo runs into a re- yeah. into the rear engine room and slams the door just as Toby bursts to the wall. She thinks she's safe in the noise and darkness of the room, not knowing that Toby has infrared vision. Really? And my, he says some really creepy shit, like, uh, like infrared vision and like... You know, I can see your heat pattern, like, through all this stuff, and it's really pretty. I'd like to see it up close. Like, yeah. No, he's really, yeah. Creeped out. He's really, I mean, you know, obviously he has been for a long time, but it definitely makes him, um, he really makes this this switch to, like, murderous, like, you know, would-be lover or something like that. Um, so convincingly and so, and so scarily, you know, that it's just... Um, it's really like like terrifying this whole section. Yes. Uh, Halo runs through the engine room as Toby stalks her. He tackles her down and prepares to rip her throat out with his razor sharp teeth. But Halo pulls a welder from a tool bench and blasts Fuck. him with it. Toy comes running after a Toby's scream, passing Glyph as she does. Toy arrives and wrestles Toby away, and the two manage to force him into a nearby furnace. You know, zero to 450 degrees in a second. Surely that stopped him. He's a puddle, right? Wrong, because Toby bursts out a flaming, melting, enraged mass and runs to attack the two women. But at the last minute, Glyph, who's been sort of observing all this, she, like, tried to tell toy what was going on but of course toy couldn't um you know hear her or or hear them say it basically um 
toy or uh, 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 Glyph steps in, rolls a barrel of gasoline or, or a futuristic equivalent, I guess, in the way of the burning droid, and both are caught in a massive explosion. Toby is destroyed and Glyph is killed, but Toy says that nobody died to Which is, man. Yeah, it's uh, tough. Like this double sucker punch, you know, of just like Glyph being like a, a character who has just been around for a, a handful of progs. So, and we've talked about her a little bit, like them, yeah. And, and the intrigue of it, and this being the way that she goes out and is remembered. Yeah, quote unquote, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it's it's um it's a big thing of yeah of of glyph sacrificing themselves um and being a, a hero, but because of sort of the nature of you know the 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 superpower they have um it you know they can't be recognized for it um you know exactly. people can't see that it happened and it means that you know no one will remember them that they won't be you know get a, a memorial or anything well actually no well we'll see something in a couple in a, in a couple months but um it's yeah it's it's a real heartbreaking thing um so four months have passed and halo swims with kit the dolphin and toy yeah, comes by smash cut to like a, a ro- almost romantic water scene going it's on. true yeah uh halo is apparently on on complete relaxation after the recent events but it's time for a ship party it's a chop party for luxroth shop the guy the uh the uh you know rich guy who owns this mm. ship and chop parties are apparently legendary big deals basically which apparently is like why like they like chop party is is like slang terminology on the hoop that's how legendary it is yeah just for a big deal not even for like a party just for a mm. major event uh the ladies return to their room and both feel like something is missing but can't think of what toy prepares the pr- prepares for the party as halo doodles pictures of glyph sort of not recognizing what he's doing i guess yeah it's um it's glyph and uh I think it's Doctor a picture of Frank Halo, isn't it? I I don't know. Um, no, it's it's um, Rodice. Okay. Um, so the uh, they 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 get ready for the party, looking great. Halo tries to talk to Mix, um, and he feels bad about her recent experiences, especially losing Toby because it's a damn fine piece of engineering. Yeah, kind of like Yowza, like Mix is like handsome, but not a lot going on otherwise. No, she tries to. Uh, ha- to ask him to dance, but it's the last dance, and he's snatched up by a uh, Goleteer Suzanne. And Halo mm. finally recognizes her voice, which is that of uh, Swifty Frisco, the news computer from the Hoop from Book One. Um, she looks a little bit like we know. Yeah, she offers Halo an autograph and then goes to dance with Mix. Meanwhile, Halo is asked to dance by this kid who we've seen around the ship a whole bunch, just mm. sort of in in the background and stuff. Yeah, and how this plays out, I'm so happy what the reveal is yeah they uh they halo agrees because why not and soon they're dancing just beautifully the whole floor mm. empties out to watch them it's the best dance halo's ever had and everybody like claps for them at the end halo's had a great time she introduces herself to the kid my name's halo and the kid says his name luxroth chop i love the way that it goes out she's like you know like it's the best dance I've had in my entire life. You're a really neat little kid, and he's like, "Hey," you know, and he plays it completely cool. He's like, "No, the pleasure's all mine." She's like, "Yeah." Before we get back or at the dock, I'll buy you like a, a an Sunday. ice cream or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, uh, see you. I'm the richest guy in the world." Yeah, just exactly. Like, oh, oh, <laughs> it's just awesome. Like yeah. after all that, it was a it was a it was a nice reprieve. And it's a moment. and it's a fun setup, but you know, because the. Uh, uh, Luxroth Shop's been in the background this whole, like, like the whole comic. And so to sort of have that be the thing is, is very interesting. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Halo and Toy have arrived on the planet Charlemagne. It's icy cold, like the oxygen is actually frozen in, like in the at, to make the walls of the place. They see a trolley being wheeled out of the presidential suite and onto Ooh. a ship for the tra- Tarantula Nebula. Hmm. Um, and Halo uh, leaves Toy to go to the Solid Air Club so she, she can finally meet Rodice after a year of waiting. Um, if you remember in book one when they left, uh, Rudy said the Solid Air Club is the uh, is the hottest place on Charlemagne. So it's a surprise when it's empty. But yeah. Apparently, you know, it's uh, it's one of these things like, you know, it's popular a year ago, but after a year, you know, trade moves up to other places and stuff. Which, damn. Yeah, Halo, Halo orders for both her and Rodis and overhears the bartender get a phone call. Like, there's no Hello Jones here. <laughs> and Halo rushes over and says it's for her and it's Rodis. Hey, Rodice, where the F are you? Yeah, Halo asks what ship she's on, when she's going to get here, but Rodice breaks the news, which I believe you called right at the end of book one, which is that uh, she's yeah. not, she didn't get on a ship. She stayed on the hoop. Um, she, Too much empty space out there. Yeah, yeah Rodice asks when Halo's coming back, and we've seen, um, and, and Halo, and Ian Gibson draws Halo Jones's face changing again, like she was smiling and beaming when Rodice's call came in, and now her face is like set and st- stern and resolute it's just hardened yeah, yeah. It's, and it does so over the course of like three or four panels it's yeah great. you know she says she isn't coming back to the hoop she never is where will she go <laughs> out that's the only answer damn the bar plays a melodic version of the song Ludie's Band uh, played back on the hoop in, yeah. in, in book one and Halo Jones Drowns her sorrows alongside the bartender Yordle Bluz Glubbly. And you know, what a weird way to end book two. Like putting you in a weird place, man. Really depressing. Yeah. That's the end of book two. Yeah, Yeah. you know, it's a total it's a total um, you know, this concept of like the Empire Strikes Back ending, right? Of it being a super downer and sort of wondering what Halo is going to do. Um, the Halo Jones book two will return with book three in Prague 451 in the first Prague of 1986. Um, oh, fuck. That's so far. I mean, you know, it's a ways away for sure. But, I mean, they're sort of trying to spread these things out. Man, I love this story. Um, yeah, the, uh, the create, you know, the, uh, I've heard it said that the three books, like book one establishes the world, book two establishes mm-hmm. the characters, and book three establishes the plot. And just, um, you know, the way we've seen Halo grow and change in the course of uh, of these two books has been incredible. You know, just we've seen her sort of grow up, be betrayed several times, and sort of see it only strengthen her resolve to, like, go out to, like, have an adventure to... I don't know, find herself her and fi- yeah, yeah, find a place in the universe mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, it's incredibly amazing and just fantastic in general. I I have so far uh, just eaten up this, this like when Alan Moore is given kind of a place to play for a little while. <laughs> um, I mean, it's fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I liked Halo Jones just when it like kind of started and it was just kind of a cool world. And you're mm-hmm. right, like building like this place. This is like, holy shit. This is just like gut punch after gut punch after gut punch. Like mm-hmm. it sets up like, oh, it's like, look at this ship and things are kind of weird and maybe some adventure shit. Nope. Just like disaster. Yeah. Horrible loss. Yeah. Like disaster, betrayal. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Loss. 
Yeah, it's so and that's it's what so I love good. about yeah. a good story. God damn it! Is yeah. that it's not just. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the stainless steel rat because it's like a short romp through happy chuckle town. But this is like this is a story, right? Yeah, like, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, I mean, they're set now to do different things, you know. And mm-hmm. but I, I think it is an interesting um, um, comparison because they're both about like like ten ten progs long and sort of mm-hmm. tell a complete story, basically, of of comparing the two. Now these different stories with, with different aims are both really excellent, but sort of evoke different emotions and make you feel different ways about them for sure. Yeah, they're it's just super effective. Absolutely, uh. yeah. Oh man, I'm super looking forward to book three, Halo Joe. Yeah, justified classic. I think we can both agree on that. Fuck yeah, man. Episode 142. Progs 451 to 454. January 1986. Thrill 1. The Ballad of Halo Jones, Book 3. It's a cat's blood kind of day, man. It always is. Uh, Scripture about Alan Moore, art about Ian Gibson, letting about Richard Starkings. Here we go! Is cat's blood replacing Mac Mac? (laughs) <laughs> is conrad replacing fox okay is, so oh. <laughs> is reaction replacing space spinner 2000 i mean not in terms of overall episodes i'll say plus you know space spinner reactions got a got a designated shelf life you know we're gonna get like tw- like 15 episodes out of that then we're on to the things but That's anyhow so great on the planet on the podcast yeah anyway uh, thanks buddy yeah. On the planet Puck, everybody just drinks space, the space booze cat's blood all day, Fox. It's rough. Uh, as a uh, cat's owner, I can verify that cat's blood is neither tasty nor uh, gets you drunk. I think it's just called that because they say it's distilled from local funguses. Yeah, uh, it was the whole place nice. is down and out. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a ghost world that's been passed by by the rest of the universe by shipping lines and stuff. Halo Jones has ended up there in forty nine sixty. It's nine years after the end of book two, and also I should say that this is the the, the prologue for book three. It's not the actual start. Hmm. We get a montage of Halo Jones traveling the galaxy, drifting from job to drifting from jobs to jobs, um, and the, uh, as the world continues to turn. No, she's having a rough a rough period. We learn about like a massive slaughter in the hoop by wealthy Manhattanites. Halo gets a job on Vescue, which is this wood world, a plant full of trees. Horrific. Where the trees Yeah, they've all evolved to have screaming human faces and then make the sound of screaming children when you right. try to chainsaw them. Uh she she lasts three days. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like even the most hardened people last for a month, but she yeah, lasted yeah. three days. Out of there. There's a montage of her of, of her travel. She works as an iceberg smuggler because water exports have been halted on Earth because of the continuing war war with the Tarantula Nebula. We see her working as a baby farmer and eventually getting arrested for vagrancy. Eventually, though, Halo is 29 years old, left with little more than the memories of her youth and the oblivion of cat's blood. Her <sighs> hopes and dreams, those have all dried up. It's the bleakest of openings. <laughs> it's really just, it's so Halo Jones. It's so horrible. Yeah, she just we we see her just getting getting drunk and get tossed out of uh, out of a bar. They specifically talk about her like remembering being eighteen years old and dancing with Lux Rothschop and stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's real sad. It's really just horrible. I feel like they had a, a book planned here to kind of go through these weird adventures, and it just kind of had to get smushed. Oh in. yeah. Well, a little bit, but I mean, I think it's sort of drifting and picking high points. I mean, there were there were yeah. books planned after this, I think, but we should probably talk uh, about that more at the, towards the end of Halo Jones than at the start here, you know. Okay. Um, anyhow, yeah. Dum 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 dum. 
Da-da-dum, dum dum. Halo dreams of cobwebs, death, and a door-marked way out that leads straight into a spider's web. Among the dead are Rodice and maybe Glyph, among others. Halo wakes up screaming and finds the town b- bustling as a glory barge has arrived with offers of jobs. Just the domes are coming now. Yeah. She's she's looking great, man. Twenty nine. Oh yeah. has aged her well. <laughs> yeah, like a fine wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the 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 domes are coming from a drum as a military ship has arrived with recruitment offers. It's the classic, you know, go interesting places, meet interesting people, wear fancy uniforms. <laughs> One person wearing a uniform. It's Halo's old friend from the Clara Pandy toy. Whoa. Oh, my God. I forgot how massively tall this woman is. Yeah, she's like seven feet tall or something. And they have a giant, like, ee reunion, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> it's very cute. And they quickly head to the local bar and get drunk, as you do. Yeah. Toys had her. Toys lost her ear, but had it replaced by a cyber ear that gets all her audio soaps that she would listen to in the last story too. It's pretty fucking she, excellent. Definitely, she lays the hard sell to recruit Halo. And you know, sure, Halo's just had this weird dream about spider webs, and they are at war with the tarantula <laughs> nebula. But I'm sure it'll be fine. I mean, they don't actually fight tarantulas. It's just that's just the name of the place, you know. Yeah, it's man. Like, you I'm don't, sure it's just you some don't weird fight. premonition crap. Yeah, I mean, if you go to war with Tur- with Turkey, you don't actually fight like uh, Tom Gobblers or anything. But anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> the two friends pile into the glory barge, and its door clo- its and its doors close behind them. And it's more than a little ominous; like you get a sense of like it's it's like it's like a monster eating them almost or something. Yeah, it I actually really. I will yeah. say, like uh, you know, if I ever open up my own. Uh, private military company having any ship that mm-hmm. we sail on be called you know just a, a glory barge is such good marketing <laughs> totally i just want to say also that the ship looking like it's eating them really reminds me of this earlier alan moore future shock where these um bounty hunters are going after this guy that's like a shape changer and then it turns out that he's turned into their ship and like eats them like that th- those oh, two ships yeah. kind of look similar to me at least in my yeah. memory i guess Interesting. Yeah, I kind yeah, of so Halo, remember that. A yeah. little bit of a callback, maybe. But so Halo and Toy arrive, uh, arrive in their bar- barracks in Beta Platoon, and it looks like this is where all the defect troopers go, as we see a lady fighting another lady covered in tattoos over, like, leftover rations, basically. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I love I love just the conversation that's going on. It's just, get, get it out of your mouth. I want this back. It's like, spit it out. Don't you even fucking <laughs> yeah. swallow it. Like, it's just so weird it's real what, what real high level low- have well we find out man because we go through their training right um mm. like we see both halo and toy get killed frequently during training maneuvers uh they're listening to audio soaps during propaganda sessions and like it's tough because even the upsides don't work like, they, like halo and toy try to hit on some dudes and they don't even like uh like like get anywhere you know they're yeah. they're, they're bragging of being able to of a put a man's eye out with their thumbs is not uh, attractive fellas, which seems weird to me, but whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, that's... I find that to be an attractive quality in a woman. Gouging, I mean, gouging that, people's it, eyes out seems to be really just a helpful skill. Yeah, at least the knowledge of it, you know? Yeah. But so... Halo and Toy are we see Halo and Toy about to be dropped into into Warzone 18 which I guess is the it's the 18th least impo- or most important Warzone in the uh, in the front. 
And there's a pretty funny part where, you know, through all this recruiting stuff, they've been saying that 40% of, of soldiers never see active combat. Oh, God. And we find out that that's true because only 60% um, of troopers have parachutes that work and allow them to drop into war zones. Excellent marketing <laughs> material. Jones away. Oh, God. So we're in Warzone 18. The world is called Lobus Loyo, and Halo is one of the Koyoks, the invading army doing a ton of counterinsurgency work. It's really rough. I think this is really interesting just because if this was an American writer writing this, I definitely, you know, it'd be obviously Vietnam, right? Yeah. Um, but with, you know, I, I don't know Moore's history, but this seems like, you know, it, I feel like this sort of counterinsurgency stuff with locals that don't like you and whose language you don't speak and stuff mm. is a big part in like the 80s of uh, Vietnam. And I wonder where, like, if, if Moore is just sort of see, like being interested in this on TV or if there's a similar English, like, I don't know, like match up to it or something like that. Well, I mean, the English occupied a lot of places for a long time, right? So. That's true, but I don't know if they did, like, in the 70s and 80s, I guess. That's like, when fair. Moore would be, like, a young man or something. Mm. Um, but anyhow, um, we see a montage of Barrack's life. Toy keeps busy with audio soaps. Halo is making friends with the stuttering Mona and mm. is scared of a woman known as Life Sentence who's re-enlisted in the Army uh, 11 times and has a weird necklace. Ugh. Later... The platoon has to wear these silly hats and dress uniforms as they're visited by General Louise Cannibal, who we've been hearing about since book one, actually, in the run-up to the Tarantula War. God, this man is awesome and covered in snakes. Yeah. He's a gigantic dude. He's got a lot of snake imagery, a big old sword and stuff. He's real cool. He's got, like, tusks. It's awesome. Mm. Mona sees him and faints right away, and Cannibal seems to take an instant liking to Halo, who doesn't quite fear him, and they have like a con he like he like takes her hand and they have some kind of connection or something. Yeah. The general the, the general says to fight harder and use this as training and combat experience for other tougher war zones. Two days later, Halo talks to Life Sentence. Ahead of an expedition into the jungle. Life Sentence doesn't like to be called that, says this is just her job. And I think that's really interesting because Halo has been talking about, been thinking that a lot recently as well. Like, oh, I just want to have work and stuff. Yeah. And not realizing that she might be on the path to being like this life sentence person. Jesus. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, we learn also that the necklace of what Halo thinks is dried figs around her neck is actually freaking ears, buddy. <laughs> uh, super gross. Super creepy. <laughs> Definitely. Next time on Halo Jones, the Petrified Forest. So we now have two half-orcs in our uh, Halo Jones comic, which I think is kind of neat. <laughs> and uh, and like maybe uh, maybe a chaotic, neutral, weird, uh, evil, maybe kind of evil lady called Life Sentence. But don't call her Life Sentence because I, I guess she'll just fucking kill you. I mean, yeah, she doesn't like, you know, she doesn't. One people think she's weird. She's just doing her job or something. <laughs> but uh, it's hard. It's it's rough stuff, man. I'm. Yeah. But I do think it's really interesting that you know they are giving us some illusions of of similarities between Halo and Life Sentence this early. Mm. And I'm just really I love you know man. I sorry I've just reread everything, so I'm just real excited to get further into Halo Jones Ooh. and stuff. But this is a cool opening, especially like the part with um with the dream and the spider webs and stuff. That's really neat mm. and. Just like I love the relationship between Jones and Toy as well, and them just yeah. sort of like being real friends and going on this adventure together 
is is really interesting and i think it also does an interesting i like i really love how they just do the uh like the combination of boredom and terror that i read so you know i I've, like I, i'm not a soldier myself but i i i took a i, I took a college course like one of my uh big college courses was a big thing about the vietnam war so i've, I've read a lot of stuff about it and so this feels really close to like to sort of how soldiers talk about it, about how like long periods of boredom and then moments of like terror of, of being terrified and stuff. Jesus. Um, so this really set the mood for me. There's a part later in this that really feels like um, the book that the thing, the, the things they carry, and I'll call that out too. Um, it's an interesting thing, you know. Like the the first half of Halo Jones Book Three is the things they carry. The second half is the Forever War, but we'll get to that later. Anyhow, oh, all right, <laughs> damn, awesome. I'm so excited to get into this. This is one of the, you know this is one of the classic like Halo like a uh, 2000 AD thrills, you know. So um, super stoked to man that we get to talk about it that we're here in the middle of it you know yeah man strong opening depressing and uh, that's kind of how i like it episode 143 progs 455 to 458 february 1986 through one the ballad of halo jones her, her life just doesn't get better i I'd like mm-hmm I, I'm really curious as to what she's going to be remembered for in the future because it, it gets really played up. But all of this just <laughs> this this has done more for me than than you know Rogue Trooper in terms of like fucking PTSD, man. Yeah, war is hell stuff for sure. Mm. Uh, script about Alan Moore, art about Ian Gibson, lettering about Richard Starkings. So okay, here we go. Uh, Halo and the rest of so so Halo Jones. She's in the army. She's on uh, on a, on a planet dealing with insurgencies and stuff. Mm. Her and the rest of her platoon are out on patrol in a hover jeep through a forest petrified by a uh, a, a K bomb many years ago. Yeah, which I guess just turns everything to concrete or stone. Yeah, seems like it. Yeah. Things are going okay until suddenly uh, Halo's friend Mona sh- uh, shouts out, "There's a padak sniper!" Yeah, like like three or four panels of her trying to get this out, and uh, just damn. Yeah. Finally, they get hit by the sniper, and that's where they are. The platoon hunkers behind their jeep and tries to plan what to do, and it's decided that Halo and Toy should go out and take down a tree to flush the sniper out. It's a little tough because, you know, Toy's way bigger and way faster than Halo, so, like, when they try to run for cover, like, you know, Halo's out in the open while Toy's, (laughs) like, like in safety, so it's tough. Big, big, long legs, man. Helps you cross distances, I guess. Definitely. So they, uh, they, but 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 they manage to do it, gaining valuable combat experience. It's combat experience when you survive, and it's just combat when you die. Apparently, <laughs> they toy manages to hit the sniper's tree with his Templar bomb that causes it to uh, like disintegrate, and the sniper gets shot and falls to its death and, and falls to their death. And I when guess, they like and when Be- they uh, Becky just like shoots shoots this person in the back. And then they yeah. all just kind of crowd around to check out the corpse, and it's fucking horrible. Yeah, it's an 11-year-old girl, basically. And everyone's like, eesh, like, this is rough. 
but at, and then as they're driving back to the base, the the uh, the 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 sniper gets older and older as they go. You know, it's one of these like uh, like ah, oh, like one little girl. No, she was like she was like forty years old and a hardened veteran, and had like five other guys with her and stuff like that. You know, yeah, it's just them trying to actualize the the murder of a fucking eleven year old yeah. child. Great. I mean, you know, to an extent, it's kill or be killed, but um, it's also like you know, it's it, it's tough with with the, you know the kind of war they're fighting. Is it one that's like very heroic or or, or fun? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, that was made pretty clear with this. Yeah, especially when we get to the next one, uh, and and an unseen hand activates a black ball recording from Halo's sergeant. She's clearly in pain, and we get some uh, the return of some future speak as we get uh, like how they swear, and everybody's saying cheeses like multiple of a cheese <laughs> instead of like Jesus or something. I love it. S- so the platoon's back on patrol on a night reconnaissance, though a lot of the platoon is staying behind because of uh, cycle problems, Whatever. which I guess is the difficulty of, of lady troopers even in the future, I guess. But anyhow, uh, that includes Mona. Uh, Toy's earpiece is picking up the uh, the start of the trans solar dentist show when their hover tank hits a mole mine. Several troopers are killed right away. Another gets shot right in the face just as they're trying to get their bearings. Fucking Bechti, like the chick who shot the 11-year-old just in in an incredibly graphic shot, is shot in the face and her face explodes. Yeah, it just sort of dissolves into mist, basically. One soldier tosses a splashlight into the undergrowth, flushing out several insurgents, and there's a brief firefight. Afterwards, it's quiet, and the sergeant goes to check her legs and finds that they aren't there. We see that Halo's listening to the black ball, clearly after the sergeant's died, and she wonders what she's going to do when suddenly she hears Toy's voice. Toy's still alive, but her leg is badly injured, and she's pretty delirious, like only really responding to the sound of the audio soap in her ear. And things are looking bad, buddy. I gotta say, um, they're looking fucking horrible. Like yeah. Halo is is barely holding it together in terms of like how the fuck things are going to happen. And it's just it's interesting because I know you're going to get to this. Just the evolution of how she handles this kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. So Halo's walking through the forest with the injured toy. And the narration is that of an incident report, sort of uh, of, of evaluating this situation. Uh, Toy can barely walk on her mangled leg, but it's too proud for a stretcher. And Halo doesn't have any bandages. She's just using Absorbex pads to stop the bleeding, which, which you know, yeah. suboptimal. Not, we not really learn- going to get that much blood. No. We learn a bit about what's in Halo's pack. And for me, that really brings into this, like, Tim O'Brien, the things they carried kind of vein, which is a oh, yeah. big famous, like, like Vietnam uh, <laughs> short story and, and the novel. You were mentioning this, like uh, I think last time as well. Yeah, like it's this is like this whole thing is fucking harrowing. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. After Toy falls, Halo starts making a stretcher, and Toy starts sort of getting in the mood of saying things that need to be said, but you know, like in, normally you're you're too afraid to say. Oh. You know, like she sort of admits she always tries to keep a, t- a tough front to avoid like dealing with real emotions. Yeah. She says she really likes Halo, if you know what I mean. But Halo is just pretty oblivious to it, I guess. Well, Halo's trying to make a stretcher and get serious and try and do all this stuff and completely misses the fact that I, it was just so 
heart-wrenching like because the whole time that you know they're they're going through all of this there's just this fucked up description box of like the events that took place but none of it Mm -hmm. actually like hitting the notes of the emotional journey that these two are on oh yeah like no it's very anodyne yeah toy in her way is like trying to confess affection for for halo and by the way great fucking work 2000 ad like great but also uh, why do you gotta make me cry at the same time i'm applying yeah. your like your forward thinking you know yeah it is a pretty it, it is a pretty bold move for like an action for a boy's action comic in uh, 1986 for sure the, so halo's built the stretcher and starts dragging toy but after a night of walking they just go in a big circle like back to the uh, uh place where the jeep hit the mine and now it's even worse because the place has been desecrated like all the bodies been desecrated and there's like um anti anti human graffiti everywhere and stuff and it's just real disturbing uh toy smells the burning and thinks that it's that it's it's toby the robo dog because she's just completely delirious and sort of you know unstuck in time basically yeah um Halo orients using the sun and tries to head back to base, but now she's starting to like the 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 shock of what's happened is, is starting to to set in on her. We see her her dragging Toy on the stretcher and and talking to her, but as Halo talks to Toy, we see that um that Toy's words are both things we've heard her say before previously in the comic, and they're all in square like you know narration bubbles instead of word bubbles i guess and you're seeing her arms drag on the on the ground as she's being pulled yeah i was really i was really hoping what would happen wouldn't happen and then it did and like went Mm -hmm. back and was just kind of looking through this just for a second and third time like god damn it fuck you so much halo jones for (laughs) feel feelings yeah, and and Ian Gibson's art here is really devastating as well. Just how he draws Halo, looking like it's 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 very like the the way the art is looks like ragged almost, and, and yeah. really gives you a sense of 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 what Halo's feeling. Yeah. Um, so a patrol ends up finding Halo and Toy, and a corpsman asks just the devastating question of of how long ago did Toy die, Wrong and this question. sends Halo off the edge. She starts attacking everybody on the patrol. She's like shaking Toy's body to try to get her wake up to wake up, but she's generally just freaking out. Yeah. The we see Halo getting sedated, and the incident, incident report ends with Halo in tears, unconscious, and it just says to have all of Toy's things given to her, which were all of two items, you know. Yeah, and it's just man, it's just heartbreaking. The uh, Toy's death, you know, we've. We've known Toy since book two, and she's been a real fun sort of, you know, friend and confidant and, yeah. like, sidekick to Halo this whole time. And so, for her, you know, to, to die in war is just real, like, heartbreaking and real tough. I mean, especially after, like, a profession of love, right? Like, that, yeah. this whole fucking thing just, like, rended my heart to where, like, <laughs> I couldn't even start the, like, the next read. I had to, like, go out and just chill for a second. It was just not, like, I'm not supposed to feel this much, and I really enjoy when I do. <laughs> uh, and, like, God damn it. it. And just the next one is even worse. 
Definitely. <laughs> like, God damn it. Like an actual comic book personified PTSD pretty fucking well. <laughs> totally. So Halo wakes up back aboard the Clara Pandy. Toys there. Hey, so's Radice. Let's dance and sing. All right. Oh, my God. Then wake up in the army. Remember Toy is dead and cry your guts out. Uh, and then just the next picture of her just like not looking well completely traumatic hair just crazy like i don't know sunken eyes yeah the, the whole thing is horrible the, the art on this page is really great because when halo's in her dream sequence like the art's really like smooth and bright and like everybody's happy and smiling and stuff and then when she wakes up everything's again re- like ragged and dirty and 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 way more realistic and stuff it, it's really um you know the the art here and just portraying the w- the way the art's changed and and the way Gibson's drawing Halo and the things around her to denote her mood is really great and really like does a lot to bring you into what her th- what her thinking is I think yeah so traumatized by by Toy's death Halo demands to be released from the army and not even a pep talk from General Cannibal can change your mind. Um, the, the, the woman at the release desk is skeptical about this and just like, you'll be back. <laughs> and yeah, that seems much. true, I guess. Yeah, because Halo has no home, no job, no nothing, really. She's 28. She doesn't have any skills that aren't just killing people related from the army. <laughs> Which was, oh God, the most upsetting part of her waiting for the job. Like in the yeah. job queue. Like she was, she got an apartment, I guess, kind of easy just off of the cash, but... Even when she's queuing up, like all she's saying is just like, I can murder people. And the woman's just like, why don't you go to the army? It's like, God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, she she's saying it at like a flop house or something. She's 28 years old or she, and she can barely get out of bed. She cuts off all her hair and wonders if she can find the cat's blood. A reference to just when she was super down and out and pluck at the in, 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 mm. in the prologue. To keep busy, she buys a gun from a pawn shop and spends her days just disassembling, cleaning, and reassembling it, which is just, you know, real mechanical and also serial killer kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, especially as it leads up to her just, like, testing it out effectively. Yeah, we see her, like, basically just sitting in a window, sighting people as they walk down the street and thinking like, oh, maybe, you know, my my finger could slip and I'll just kill them or something. It's really fucked up. Yeah, she doesn't know what's happening to her. And in the end, she feels like she has no choice and nowhere to go. So Halo goes back to the recruitment office and re-enlists in the army. It turns out this happens a lot. Like 90% of people who leave the army early come back. And like the the... The enlistment officer didn't even file her paperwork. She just takes the page out of the. She just takes it out of the out of the drawer and rips it up. Oh and Halo heads back in. Next time oh. on Halo Jones, heavy duty. Yeah, you think? Fucking think. <laughs> totally, oh man. So just to let you know, we're now about like halfway through Halo Jones book three. Oh my god! So. You know, the the previous versions have had t- uh, like 10 episodes. This one has, has, has 15 or 16 if you count the prologue. Okay. So, you know, that's the that that's the midpoint thing. Like we're still we're still on the way to the turn for Halo Jones. Oh my, you know? What the fuck? <laughs> but 
you know, so like, like I said last time, this this first part of Halo Jones is really the the, the things they carried. I think the second part is going to be uh, the Forever War, which sort of has some, you know, it's got some interesting sort of future fighting and other things like that. I think I think I'm really excited for this next part and for the story, man. It's really. I mean, like you said, it's really different from anything else in 2000 AD right now, for sure, of just this story that's incredibly emotional and, like, you know, kills characters, makes you feel their death, deals with, you know, this, this concept of, 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 of a post-traumatic stress dis- um, sy- syndrome or whatever they're calling it, whatever that's called in 1986, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just the difficulty of being in this really high-stress, deadly environment and coming back to the world or coming out of the military and not really having any skills or things you know how to do, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It feels like Alan Moore's, like, he's writing something that he must have known somebody. I don't know if the guy actually served or anything like that, but, like, it's hitting some marks, man. Like, having having military family, like, there's some stuff in here that's like, holy shit. Uh, it's yeah. I don't know, and, and it doesn't. It's not doing it in this like overly grotesque. Uh, I don't know. It's not like hyper violent either. There are moments where it's like they're very purposeful about showing something and it being terrifying. But I don't know. Like the restraint that they have and the precision that they have is like a fucking knife. Mm-hmm. Like damn, it's really good. It's really fucking yeah. good. I'm really sad. Um, you know know how I get, like, we can kind of fucking get over that as like, let's roll some goddamn dice. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. All right. (laughs) Episode 144. Progs 459 to 462. March 1986. Thrill One, the Ballad of Halo Jones. God, just like, welcome back to beta and also... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Nothing's changed. I mean, it's vaguely changed. Yeah, so script robot yeah. Alan Moore, art robot Ian Gibson, letter robot Richard Starkings. So last time we saw Halo Jones leave the army, but she she reenlisted right at the end of the episode. She's getting unpacked when her old pal, pal Mona tells her that the platoon is about to move out to Warzone 8, from Warzone 18 to the planet Moab. Moab, and buddy, that's Warzone 1. So apparently it's like the big deal. I, I like how Kurt uh, Halo is. She's just like, hi, Mona. Yeah, I cut my hair. Just like everything's just uh, really dismissive until they say that they're going to Moab and that just like breaks her brain. Yeah, she drops all her stuff, like like her picture of Rodice breaks and stuff like that. Yeah, because like, you know, you think you're going to like she's rejoined the army to kind of find sense. But like Warzone one, that sounds real bad. Um. Yeah, I, I do like that. She's got a new collective of people, including um, Life Sentence. Yeah. With her ear necklace and stuff like that. But she's got a new ragtag group, because if you remember from last time, because Halo Jones is consistent with making you feel real sad. All of everybody died. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> except she- for Mona. Yeah, Halo is real good about um, about about gaining a circle of friends and then losing that circle of friends violently. <laughs> it really seems that way. Although, you again, know. Mona's still alive. Apparently, yeah. she's a good luck charm. Definitely. Yeah, which so I guess we'll get they, into later. Yeah, b- before they head out, some soldiers are spreading rumors about like Halo leaving and coming back, but she gets defended by Life Sentence, who's now in the platoon. It was awesome. Yeah. No, she takes a pot of hot something and just splashes it in their totally. face and body, and she's like, fuck off. 
yeah. shut your mouths. And she comes back like, you're like me. Like, we're both in this together forever. Oh, it's really it. awkward. It's a, uh, it's a really like serial killer stalker feel to Definitely. It. Yeah. Like, like, and, and Halo's like, it's more like she feels like she can't disagree as opposed to actually like being into it or not being into it. She's like, yeah, right. I guess. Um, so it's a lot of her life though. Yeah. They watch an instructional video about Moab. Basically, you find it's it's a solid planet that's bigger than Jupiter, and the gravity is enormous. You got to wear a special grav suit to even survive outside. Mm. And there's an effect on time, but you know who cares about that? Halo stuff. Yeah, I like how it just like waves its hand. It's like, oh, whatever. I stopped listening at this point, and that's like that's that comes into play. Yeah. Pretty important. <laughs> We see like the platoon training in the suits, and they look incredibly uh, cumbersome. Every suit has a spigot in their tummy, and if you <laughs> go out without the spigot open, you'll die just a puddle-based death, like you end up being a puddle, you know? Uh. Again, I feel like this little tummy nipple, death nipple, is just in the worst place. Like, why would you put it in somewhere easily damaged? Like, why not put it under the giant hat? Well, so that, you know, it's so you can check it, and then, you know, other things. Pay attention to the spigot. Be aware that this exists within these suits. Anyhow. Oh, uh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. Apparently, the tummy nipple is important. Check. As this is, I I love how they explain this, though, because, like, right away, Mona falls over, and, like, the sergeant (laughs) is, like, explaining all this stuff, and Mona's just like, help, help, please. (laughs) Just a turtle on her back. Yeah. Uh, before they head out, Halo talks to General Louise Cannibal. Oh, he she's asks, looking so awesome, by the way, with the whole uh, jacket over her shoulders look. Oh, yeah. Listen, like, Halo is looking real pretty. Like, in these. Mm. If, she's a badass. If, yeah, if, if you like a short haired lady, like, like Halo's doing it, Halo's mm. getting it in this uh, section of the comics. Mm hmm. He asks about what what happened to her hair, and she says she wanted to make herself look ugly, and says he did the same with his Im- implanted tusks, with, with, which cracks him up. Uh, oh my and god! Halo says she doesn't care about being insubordinate because, like, what's he going to do? Send her to Moab, basically. Yeah, so he seems to take that pretty well. So I guess either they are, and he's shocked that she knows, or they're not, and uh, and they're there for a, 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 a more complicated reason or something like that. Who knows? I don't know, man. Like this whole. That whole dude, Luis Cannibal, is very confusing to me. Yeah. I, I call him Cannibal because whatever, he's a bad guy. Anyhow. Cannibal. Uh, yeah. The platoon lo- arrives on Mohab, and I love how they have the, the, the drop ship. It's like two-thirds like shock pads, so it just looks like a big like sneaker or something just like <laughs> smashing into the ground. Uh, they head into the gravity-shielded area, like where their barracks are, though the locals are still really like weird, saggy, and pear-shaped, and they've got a weird religion and stuff. Apparently super, 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 uh, like, I don't know, what you call them? Protestant, right? Um, but they call them themselves the descendants of Lot, which yeah. is not the happiest story, man. No, I'd say they're like weird, they're like uh, Old Testament kind of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. Fire cause, and brimstone types. Because that's what Lot is. Like, Lot's got a lot mm. of death and destruction and then a lot of weird incesty parts. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and like the whole thing's built around, and the and this big part of Moab that we see is a giant statue of Lot's wife turning to salt as she like looked back, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, well, but the book they show has has a 
it has a crucifix on it. Yeah, but like it's. I mean, you know. Yeah, you know, whatever. It's Don't like, pay attention to the details. It's like the year five thousand, you know. So yeah. who knows? I mean, keep in mind we've seen a bunch of times that um, instead of like they say cheeses, like like multiple cheese yeah. and stuff. <laughs> So holy Jesus! It's all. I'd imagine it's all sort of mixed and remixed and gone around and stuff like that. I'm not saying they, yeah, they like course. don't like it's it. They don't have a New Testament, but this place seems very um, old, old testament, testament based. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyhow, um, <laughs> there's also a religion building up around Mona, who's managed to survive the war with <laughs> only a string of minor injuries. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know, she like broke her toe during the drop into Moab and stuff. Um, and some members are starting to see of the platoon are starting to see her as a as a as a good luck charm. But hey, man, where it is, there's men at the mess complex. Oh snap! And I um, guess that just snaps ladies into a frenzy. Oh man! Uh, <laughs> I mean, arguably, I guess they haven't seen men for a while. Yeah, so they all rush out to uh, to meet them. Um, and as they uh-huh. go, Halo kind of makes an interesting point that because it's all tunnels and stuff, Moab really reminds her of the hoop w- where we mm. started our story. But it turns out that all the men are just a bunch of uh, war slabs. Which are genetically engineered similar types that just think about like guns and yeah. battle scars. Special labor auxiliary bioengineered slab. Mm. Yeah, they're kind of just big dumb hunks of meat, sort of Stallone-Schwarzenegger hybrids, basically. Which um, begs to the question of why you don't just have that in general, if you can make them. Maybe they're just expensive. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm I'd imagine that engineered is probably way more expensive than just getting a bunch of like ladies to kind of you know that they're just born naturally on the hoop to to come in mm. and join. That's fair. Um, and we learned that like Moab cuisine is really gross. They got cheese from animals' mammary glands and eggs <laughs> that come from animals. Yuck! <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? Plus, the eggs are cracking on their own, man. That's ridiculous. Wait, wait, wait what? What? <laughs> The gravity shields are are failing. We're we gotta get out of here. Oh fuck! And apparently it's all localized. I thought the whole place was coming down when this happened. No, it looks like every individual room has its own spe- specific gravity shield, probably for mm. just this situation. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, everybody runs as the eggs start to explode, and they all push right past Mona, who's finally getting there on her broken toe. Halo sees one soldier trapped behind as the gravity doors close. She kind of looks back like Lot's wife. And it's a hard life on Moab, basically. Mm. Yeah, it's real heavy. Yeah. Um. (laughs) Like, damn. It's just... Halo Jones just doesn't... It's not a happy story. (laughs) It's tough, man. So before heading out into the deep gravity, Halo's platoon is going on a patrol through the tunnels deep under Moab. They split up with Life Sentence going with Halo, and Life Sentence seems really stoked about their new friendship. <laughs> Halo's sort <laughs> of nonplussed. Um, anyhow, they have to go home early after Mona gets shot in the foot by mistake, and this is another example of, um, of, her, of her good luck. Jesus. Later, they get on the G-suits. Check the spigot. In oh the gravity, my god! <laughs> in the gravity, you can really feel like the time dilation. The gravity starts; things start to slow down a little bit and feel weird. The platoon mm. visits the site of the crushed dining hall as Mona tries to explain the Moabite religion to Halo, but isn't really convincing about it. No. Um, but now it's time for the real fighting. It takes place in the crush, the deep gravity of Moab, where, where it's the heaviest. 
The gravity messes up time so much that a video of the battle looks like a still picture. Um, it's every, fucking crazy. It's real awesome. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's getting ready to head out. Halo's honestly excited just to get back into combat. You know, she wants to get back on the and ship. And then immediately the remembers. Doors, yeah. At least until the doors open and then she realizes that combat really, really sucks. Yeah. It's just like, oh, God damn it. And this whole next portion is just a breakneck pace of just, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. It's basically, yeah, just sort of someone, yeah, just running as fast as they can, just shouting obscenities, basically. Yeah. But Halo rushes into battle. It's real crazy. She advances on the enemy. And I love this part because as she goes, yeah. everything is frozen in time. As she Until approaches. you move closer to it. Yeah, but as she gets deeper into the gravity well herself, things start to speed up as the gravity normalizes. And I'd love to see that. Like, this is the, uh, the part that would be real cool in a movie because it's real like everything frozen mm. in place. And as you go, it's like a... Uh, it's 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 like a record spinning up or something like that. You're like, yeah, exactly. Like that. Um they advance on a fr- so th- she's there for five minutes the platoon moves forward goes to a friendly artillery position note that it needs repairs and then start heading back just in constant chaos people fall getting shot and killed around halo as she goes and then immediately turning into giant puddles of blood yeah, that are what, a couple atoms thick yeah as soon as your suit fails you're just you're, you're gone you're done for you you just smush Halo bumps into Mona as her and the rest of the platoon rushes to the doors and they just sort of tumble in. It's amazing. Halo reports at the artillery position about the artillery position and learns that one, she's been promoted to corporal and two, she's got a new sergeant because the previous one died behind her as they were escaping a crush. And here's where we sergeants do not do well. No. And here's where we learn the big truth, which is that five minutes in the crush equals two months in real time and you're not getting paid for two months you're getting paid for five minutes <laughs> exactly so jesus next time on halo jones the fast forward war oh that's it's so, cool. so that's so fucking crazy man like the only thing that's gonna happen I, at least as i see it she's just gonna go out there and just a bajillion years will have passed this is mm-hmm. nuts because really, by the time you exit it could be by the way we've reached a formal conclusion to the war mm, right it, like, it definitely could like that that is awesome to me yeah. i'm so excited about how they've explained like time travel through gravity yeah and things like no, that like they can actually walk into a a uh, into time <laughs> Yeah, the I idea guess. of things speeding up and slowing down as they go seems really cool. Um, mm. This also really reminds me of the book The Forever War, which was sort of a response to, star- to Starship Troopers and sort of an anti-war sort of like military science fiction novel, basically. Right. But most, in- as, as most people should know, Starship Troopers was definitely... <laughs> Like a fascist novel I mean, turned into an anti-fascist movie. Yeah, I I worry if you aren't aware of that. Um, but anyhow, um, but in that one, the main character who, who sort of is a starship trooper, basically, like has to travel at like relativistic speeds to get to war zones and stuff. So we often so mm. we we see him sort of traveling through time, basically. I think the book ends like two thousand years after the after the book starts. Jesus. And it's this guy from sort of almost like the 20th century, like sort of going through just ages of humanity, essentially. It's really, oh it's a really God. neat book. Highly recommended okay. by, by Conrad. Um, Sweet. I'll check it out. Yeah, it's good. 
Uh, I, th- I think Joe Halderman, but I could be wrong about that. I'm I'm conv- I'm mistaking his name with the guy with the Watergate guy. Anyhow, um, <laughs> episode 145, Progs 463 to 466, March and April 1986. Through one, the Ballad of Halo Jones. Just fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, scripter about Alan yeah definitely man scripter about Alan Moore art about Ian Gibson letter about Richard Starkings okay so here we go Halo Jones and her platoon are fighting the fast forward war five minutes in combat takes two months she's yeah. been at it for two for two days of subjective time and six months of relative time wow. there's a pretty funny opening thing where they see like where, where we see the, the the platoon like walking off onto the battlefield and this guy's like clean shaven with like a brand new plant and then when they come out he's like got a beard and <laughs> the plant's real big it's pretty yeah, awesome out of control i i did like that for the visual yuck i guess <laughs> yeah, otherwise pretty depressing uh, yeah. she's missed her birthday she, she's now 30 years old in three days she'll be 31 she feels like she's going crazy just dealing with this time stuff which technically see, she it, isn't right like she's she doesn't have the passage of time just suddenly hit her when she comes back right like no but I mean it's disorienting which I get because they, they yeah, she does and, this repetition thing throughout the entire this first thing that I really like it's real good yeah me too yeah she just keeps saying like I've been I've been fighting on Moab for three for two days I've been there for six I've been fighting for six months that stuff yeah, um, yeah it, it's not that she's aging as it's going it's just you know your birthday is based on the calendar not sort of how chronologically old you are I guess it's not something that we think about in a time where we have sort of where we don't have like time travel and time distortion that's really fair but you know, it's like one of those. It, it, it it's like how I think they like move your birthday to like the twenty eighth or the or the first if you're born on a leap on a leap day. You know, because otherwise you'd be like four years old because you only had like four birthdays or whatever. But anyhow, <laughs> that'd still be kind of awesome. I mean, I think so. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah, you get some lucky stuff there. Um, yeah, so in combat, we see Mona go down and Halo has to roll her to safety. And there's a really gross thing where like Halo rolls in or sorry, where Mona rolls in, Halo stumbles in and the uh, last soldier in their platoon just sort of flows in because she's like a, you know, a, a, a gravity smashed puddle, basically. Is it weird that her name is Exxon and then she's just like a black little bit puddle? Definitely could be. That's definitely a reference, I feel like. Um, yeah. It seems like they always come back at breakfast time. So she's had breakfast for like for six days for, for each meal for like for like two days. I would not be complaining about that. I love breakfast. I don't know if I want to eat army breakfast every day, though. Right? Well, I mean, they like, get at least that's an a, egg, which I guess they think mm, is that's disgusting. That's fair. Yeah, that's true. They yeah they got uh, they they're, they're used to clone food, so eggs are weird. Um, yeah, so Halo is just she, she's freaking out during daytime. During downtime, she sees that Lux Rothchop has gotten married, and she remembers dancing with him when he was eleven and she was eighteen, and that like you know that was her. And this the 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 combat hardened veteran isn't. The battle never stops; it just keeps going and never ending until suddenly it does. The Which platoon comes in because it just it really yeah. does just stop. And with the way that relative time works here, like, I don't, I don't, yeah, when I don't they, know if that would just be a thing. But yeah, 
yeah, like they come back to base and it's all empty and there's just like one person like buffing the floors or something. And like, yeah, listen, I, you know. I love the part where they wreck the giant sphere and then as they walk away, it just falls over. <laughs> yeah. Everything stops and they don't give a shit. Exactly. The uh, the Earth economy has collapsed and the dolphins have taken over the government and ended the war. It should be good news, but Halo's buddy Life Sentence is not taking it very well at all. Man, we always said it would be lizards, but it turns out it's totally dolphins. <laughs> Listen, all right. Uh, so so the peace sirens are, are wailing as Halo and her platoon are oh, basically God. traveling around telling fighters that the war is over. It's been done for weeks, but no one's believing them. Halo has been promoted to sergeant, which is kind of cool. And the, platoon, the, the platoon's shipping out in a month. They're trying to clear out these final fighters, but they're just refusing to believe the war is done, like shooting at them and stuff. I love that through each of the pages, the siren is just like there. Constantly Constantly blaring. Yeah. Later, Halo greets a delegation led by a dolphin ambassador who despairs at the cost of the war on the local population, which Halo hasn't really noticed before. She says that if you could give conscience a shape, it would look like a dolphin. And that's just freaking pro-dolphin propaganda, buddy. Don't <laughs> don't fall for the lies about these dolphins, dude. Like, I mean, listen, there are cetacean overseers and they are here to help all planets unite under one ocean. Dolphin would, would, would kill you as soon as look at you and also do real weird stuff to you. That actually actually has happened in real life, all right? Lies so, and slander. I'm not going to get into it, but like, don't let Lisa Frank get you all mixed up thinking that dolphins are cool, buddy. They aren't. They're animals just like anything else, all right? Like, wow. They, can only, like, they aren't actually neon, all right? That, that's the truth. But wow. anyhow... Thirty women of Beta Platoon have uh, have survived the war, but not all of them will survive the peace. Uh, Halo and a couple soldiers find life sentence locked in a bathroom, blood That's running from insane. under the door. Without the war, yeah, she feels like she has no purpose and has taken her own life. And now I feel really bad because I went for my joke about dolphin propaganda to freaking suicide, which is rough. Yeah, <laughs> it's we can't we can't. I mean, we're trying to keep this. With some amount of levity, but everything that's happening in Halo is really just horrific. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Life Sentence dies in Halo's arms. Her final words are, what's the point of me? Just if there's no war. And this echoes in Halo's ears because, you know, whether she wants to admit it or not, she felt like a real kinship with Life Sentence. And the two of them are sort of, you know, they left the army and came back. And it's really been a defining thing for her for, I guess, you know. It would be like the last year of her life, but I guess like relatively in terms of relatively, it's like the three years of her life, basically. And she just really didn't have anything before that, you know, so she's just, you know, have an identity and an identity crisis that it looks like she might not be able to survive almost. Well, and when you're having an identity crisis and you're feeling kind of vulnerable, nothing like a giant half orc to kind of swoop in. (laughs) Yeah. Afterwards, Louise Cannibal, uh, General Louise Cannibal, bumps into Halo while she's writing in her diary and seems charmed by the eccentricity of writing. He asks if Halo has a lover and says that his is dead and that it's the war, basically, that that's now ended. That was his lover. They stand together holding hands for a long time. Which is intense. (laughs) Which is pretty intense, buddy. That guy... 
guy apparently was in love with uh, with this fucking Nebula War. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, just the, the the violence and the killing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so Halo Jones and and Louise Cannibal are beginning their courtship. They eat pears in a bitter vinegar sauce among the desolation of Moab. Halo reflects on this and the desolation of her life and that these are damn fine pears. And I'll let you know, Fox, that I actually tried to make this dish in December and, yeah. and it was okay, but not the best meal of my life. But like, I probably didn't have a, as good pears or vinegar as a, as a cannibal has. Is that like a thing? I don't know. I just looked up like, like pear vinegar sauce on, on Google and sort of did my magic. I, I had some pears for the record. Um, <laughs> I would hope so. Hope you didn't substitute yeah. apples. Fucking mm. apples, pears, pears that are a lie. Thanks, nature. Yeah. Well, you know, you got apples and pears, and suddenly you're on the second floor. Ooh, that's an English oh, joke. Um, so I don't get that at all. Halo rejects this fancy courtship and basically just says, like, hey, listen, if they're going to do it, then they should just get together and bone, you know? I, uh, it, it was she, pretty, pretty much that, yeah. Yeah. She says that she likes Louise's hands and that he scares her. She takes her to see his spaceship, which, man, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, like, like a a wang with a scorpion tail, basically. (laughs) It was the first thing that came into my mind and I didn't want to be the one to say it unless you didn't. So I'm not the worst person in the room. It's definitely a dong balls and a scorpion tail. (laughs) Yeah, this bite bites back. Um, but so the ship's really nice. It's got its own FTL drive and stuff. He's planning on taking it and going out since these dolphins are making it pretty hard out there for a warmonger. Yeah. He's under investigation by them now. And, you know, he invites her to check out the hearing, basically. Jesus. Cannibal is interrogated by the Dolphin Ambassador, and they're really focusing on the planet Charon, which is Warzone 5, where the whole planet was raised with atomic fire. Cannibal says it was an accident. Later, he gives Halo the keys to the ship and kisses her, leaving a long scratch on her back because of his which, crazy tusks. Which she just kind of keeps touching as she goes to sleep, and she doesn't yeah. have much to lose, and then has some freaky spider nightmares. Yeah, that night Halo dreams of that door marked way out, which we saw in the first non-prologue part of the story. Uh, She sees passageways full of cobwebs and the corpses of her friends. She should be safe because the war is over, but there's some deeper terror around the corner. So Halo, again, she's dreaming of being caught in a spider's web as she deepens her relationship with Louise Cannibal, and he in turn is hounded by the dolphins. The questions are about uh, Charon, uh, the burned world. The dolphins are implying that Cannibal raised it to hide evidence. Evidence of killer worldwide disease spread by vicious rats. A rat war. war. Yeah. It's the most awesome thing I've heard since uh, Rat King. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and speaking of which, for a rat war, you need a rat king, and Cannibal doesn't have one of those. No one does, except ha- except Halo knows that he di- that he did because she, of course, saved the rat king's life aboard the Clara Pandy a lifetime ago. Which uh, all feels at this point like lies and deceit in her brain. Absolutely, yeah. She's. It's interesting because in the. Uh, in the narration boxes, she's distraught, but I guess sort of spending some time, you know, being a soldier or doing other things, just her life up to this point has allowed her to learn to keep it together with this stuff. It really, like, she, she keeps it pretty fucking cool. 
Yeah. But while she's sort of like, you know, hanging out with, with Louise and doing stuff, her, her, her mind's going a mile a minute. Her time on the, on the pandy is like some of her only remaining good memories. And now they've been spoiled because her actions there led to the deaths of an entire world, basically. Louise seems to know that the game is up and has to go out onto the onto the surface of Moab to collect some hidden valuables. He has Halo go to warm up his ship's engine, so he's really like, "I'm gonna get, I, I got to get my secret treasure, and then we're out of here." <laughs> Pretty um, much. But as they go, uh, he has ha- Halo check the valve on his suit. They kiss, and when they do, Halo does something to the valve. It's Louise like a walks out. Shake. Yeah, she like well she yeah she 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 hits the valve basically. Um, Louise walks out uh, quite smug, unknowingly to his doom because she's you know turned off that valve, that spigot that we saw throughout the fighting uh, in the in uh, the previous episode. And if you don't have that flipped when you go out on on Moab, you just instantly become a puddle basically. Rich, holy shit! Yeah, that's how it goes. Halo's past, she feels, is behind her. The innocent girl she was is dead, just like everyone else she's ever cared about. All she has is her future. She goes to the hangar and boards Cannibal's ship and prepares to go. It's night, and there are so many stars out there. The ship pulls away from Moab's gravity like it's escaping a giant web, and then Halo Jones is out. Just out. The end of Halo Jones! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which, holy shit. So uh, immediately once this ended, because I was like, oh my God, like I'm on I'm on a hook at this point. Like I'm really just so fucking into it. I'm into the character. I'm into the development. I'm into the world. I'm sad. Don't get me wrong. Um, mm-hmm. So I immediately go <laughs> to Google. Oh no. <laughs> and, I, and I type in <laughs> Halo Jones uh, book four and then begin reading uh, for at least 20 minutes of just, uh, I'm Alan Moore saying some stuff a long time ago, like, oh, maybe, and then later basically saying, IPC can go screw itself. Yeah. The rights of the characters. <laughs> um, and then, you know, the rights have changed hands, I imagine, now a few times. And then eventually finding something where Ian Gibson, I guess, like, drew her topless as a gag or as a like thing mm-hmm. for a friend. Like, I got really deep in there, and I was just like, Jesus, <laughs> so much nothing has happened except for the re-release no. of this comic. Uh, and clearly, because it's happened so many fucking times, Conrad, and so you're you're a guy who knows a lot about comics, so I'm going to give this over to you for a moment. Teach me why the fuck this isn't being made, or if it is, why didn't I find it, and also, why isn't it? Oh, it's like a movie or something? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Into an I anything. Mean, uh, maybe like a fourth oh, fucking book? <laughs> he said she was maybe going to be a pirate or a slave. I'm like, Damn. Yeah, I mean, um, there were initially plans, um, from what I've read, there that there were going to be ten, like ten or so books, you know. So this is just the start, really. Like this isn't we, we didn't even like if 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 that's if if that's the plan, then we haven't really gotten to the main part of the story yet. You know, this I is mean, all the prologue yeah, parts. The prologue <laughs> because the prologue didn't. It's like anybody could have done it. She was so fucking amazing. But I I have yet yeah. to see what she's been amazing for. Mind you, she has led an amazing life. Um, but nothing mm-hmm. where it's just like the annals of time will remember her for dancing one time at 18 with Lux Rothschild. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, 
Yeah, this is sort of the end of Alan Moore in 2000 AD as well. Um, you know, they'll reprint some of his future shocks the next year or two. But it's 1986 at this point, like like Watchmen's coming out. He's already had his big, excuse me, he's already had a big run in Swamp Thing and stuff. Like Alan Moore is too mainstream and famous to keep doing 2000 AD. It's <laughs> the sad fact, you know. Um, and then, yeah, he just had a huge difficulty with with IPC you know with the parent companies behind this stuff and you know they wouldn't pay you know they wouldn't pay him what he was worth basically and so he was like fine I'll tell other stories like I don't you know I've got all this other stuff in my head I'm Alan Moore for God's sake basically (laughs) also at this point Ian Gibson sort of you know he'll do some more dread stuff periodically but this is sort of his swan song for 2082 I feel like wow um and I mean, well, I mean, you know, he'll be yeah for a couple more years and stuff. But you know, I don't, I don't, he's not, I, he's not really involved in any more like big, big individual stories. I guess is is, is what I'm trying to say. Although I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be proved, proven wrong about that. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, Alan Moore didn't want to do it, and no one else wanted to really pick it up. I guess. Well, um, or, I, or maybe I, and and I think it. that's yeah. I think it's better. I th- like. I, I I'd be interested to hear your opinions too, but you know I I think it's really good that they just basically look if uh, if Moore and Gibson aren't doing it, then we're just going to leave it be. You know I think yeah. that is that was the best move. I couldn't think of anything worse than uh, you know than in 1987 there being a Halo Jones book four that's by a completely different creative team and you know not the risk of of not getting it or just sort of turning into. Um, you know, just another sort of regular strip is like rough. You know, would be would be rough. Not that the regular strips are bad, but Halo Jones is something special. I feel like. Well, um, so knowing the like Grant Wagner do not need uh, an easy win. I would say like that, right? They don't just kind of <laughs> grab someone else's shit. They're doing pretty fine for themselves within there. Yeah. But also, at least from what you've told me of the writing staff during this time. And certainly the the people that we see amongst us, like very rarely, I mean, if at all, I mean, maybe you can jog my memory, has someone just snatched someone else's comic and just said, well, I'm doing it now, right? I mean, other than like, no, we can dispute not its a... origins and all that shit. But yeah, like, I mean, I'd say it's, I don't think anyone's going to touch it, it out of respect is the feeling I get. Yeah. Everybody seems to mostly stay in their lanes. I mean, the early days, people jumped around to different things, you know, and like, and like, there there was a lot of changes in writing staff. At this point, everybody's pretty much just writes their own stuff and doesn't really want to want to play in other people's gardens. Essentially, that's going to change sort of in the, in the '90s when we'll get guys like Mark Miller writing uh, 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 Robo Hunter and other things like that. Um, but I think even by the '90s, <laughs> like the idea, like it would be. Like, um, you, you, you'd have to be a Philistine basically to like kind of jump in there and, 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 and have someone else, uh, uh, do Halo Jones stuff, you know? Right. I mean, once, once um, a story is, has this, I mean, cause even looking it up, like just searching for Halo Jones, there's a lot out there, uh, and clearly it's made its, its impact, uh, yeah, I mean, point, I'd say this like, is fucking yeah. with that is, I don't know, it's kind of American, yeah. right? Like, fuck I mean, even a thousand e- times. <laughs> see how well, well yeah, but I mean, it's definitely a different sort of concept. I mean, 
this is something that that I, I feel is very like a very 2000 AD problem. Honestly, is that there is that people wanting to stick, you know, like having writers just stick with their own creations and stuff like that's very different from American comics where everybody yeah. writes everything basically. And, you know, it's like and I think that that's a problem as, as sort of people are getting older. It's like, well, what's going to happen to like slain when, when if if if, you know, God, you know, like. Knock on wood, but like if something happens to Pat Mills, like what you know, whatever what happens to Slain, you know, um, or whatever else. But I mean, I guess so. I guess I. But speaking of that, Fox, here's a question that I think I think is actually being asked in our AMA um, questions right now. <laughs> but so do, um, let's say Rebellion likes a uh, a eccentric billionaire buys rebellion and they suddenly have all the money in the world and there's new um new management and blah 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 and they can give him whatever he wants right um would you want like alan moore and ian gibson to come back and do a halo jones book five in like 2019 or 2020 so i I have a hard time of that uh for two reasons so like first is like a business person um Mm -hmm. like Giving someone whatever they wanted as an example. So like well, yeah, I Alan mean, Moore's an expensive you know, I'm, yeah. man, but not expensive just because of money, but also expensive because he's like a PR nightmare from what I can tell. <laughs> like I have not read a lot of things that he said, but he seems to be a very decisive or divisive character within the, the Yeah, I mean I'm just saying that more to just kind of be like just gonna take away the option, like the uh, the sure. argument of oh it'd be too expensive or something like sure. that. That's all. But I mean. then no no no. I just mean like I so part of it, it and it's to build to the second point I don't know if they're the same people anymore right like I've certainly yeah. read Watchmen which is around the same time I have not yep. read anything of Alan Moore's other than 2000 AD right and so I yeah. would I would have to look at something that he's doing now and say like would he still be serious because in the 1990s he was still talking about it and still sounded excited about it as I progressed through the snippets uh, through time as he was talking about Halo Jones, less and less was said and more and more was kind of attributed to the man. And I'm like, okay, well, mm-hmm. like, don't be a grumpy guts. Just like wait for rebellion to let you have it because if, <laughs> I mean, they're not doing anything with it other than re-releasing, you know, collections once in a while. And it's nice to have in there, but that's going to get old real fast. And they're going to have to make a decision whether to look really bad now or to just kind of like bring him on and be like, hey, let's do like a book and see how it goes. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe he's playing the waiting game. But uh, again, I, I it's hard for me to say anything definitive about Alan Grant or Ian Gibson as I haven't read. Alan Moore. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Alan. <laughs> right. Because uh, I just haven't read their stuff lately. Their, their mm-hmm. latest stuff, right? Like this is my exposure to these people now. And so far I'm like, this is great. But it could be, you know, I, I don't know, maybe Ian Gibson's like a horrible racist later. I'm sure that's not true. But, you know. I, I mean, I don't know that part of it. But, yeah, I mean, I honestly, I kind of agree. Like, I really wish, like, if if I had a time machine, I, I, I would have done, like, one of the, like, uh, you know, I, I would have done everything in my power if I was um, the, the 2080 management to try to get a book for in like 1987 or 1988 or something like that. I mean, yeah, it's good you know, writing. Like 38 years later, I just don't know. 
I don't know if I'd want them to come back and do it. Like, I'd feel weird, one. And also, like, I'm 100% positive that it would end up just being an allegory about, like, creators' rights in comics or something like that. Yeah. That I don't know if I'd be... If that I'd be stoked to to, to get as a reader, I guess. The but also development syndrome, right? Where it comes back and it's just about them not being able to get the show. And you're like, this isn't why I right. watched Arrested Development. <laughs> yeah. Or and just like um, at this point, also, I feel like the. Like the expectation of what it's going to be after 38 years would be so high that there's no way you could live up to it. You know, I like that's true. Um, yeah. And, you know, and I don't like and so for me, I feel like, you know, book three is a good I feel like of the places of the comics that we, of the versions that we've read, three is the best place to stop. I guess I would have hated if this stopped in book two and like oh, it was all God. just like Halo at a bar being betrayed by Rodice being all sad and stuff like that. Right. <laughs> Game over. Booze wins. Right. Like this. Like this one with Halo in a, in, a, in a cool spaceship just heading out to the stars is a really hopeful, like, you know, I mean, bittersweet, but also hopeful. Yeah. And that makes it seem like, you know, just, just Halo looking off into the future, I think is a really interesting way to end it and sort of leaves it open for other things. I'll say also, man, I really wouldn't want anybody else to write it. Although I am, all, I am very interested in stories about like young women having adventures in in a sci-fi setting. Like you I know, mean, <laughs> I, I'll say that it's opened itself up for a shitload of fan fiction. So, yeah, and I mean, yeah, and also I think the the other thing is just that, like. You know, Alan Moore would never do it. Just also, this is kind of a minor thing in his back history. You know, like of all the things Alan Moore has done, like I feel like this is the one that people have have seen the have seen the least of, just because of the niche nature of 2000 AD and stuff, which is a bummer because I think this is a really good story and one that deserves more eyes on it. Um, and so I'm 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 glad that Rebellion has you know that they keep reprinting it. They've now the current version is in full color, which I'm very interested to see, and I think might make it more accessible to people because I know that's a big um, a big problem a lot of like especially Americans have is just you know black and white comics and stuff. Mm. Um, and yeah, man, woo, Halo Jones, buddy. <laughs> I you know this I, it's such a uh, like as a milestone for our dumb podcast, I think it's really amazing that that we've now covered it. You know, I mean, it was um, it was exciting. Something... I think we loved it every single yeah. time it was here. Definitely, and it's really and it's really something that like you know at, at the very least now we've covered that. Like that's sort of a good bucket list. Like you know we'll have more buckets as we go. But <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> but this was a really great one that to to get to. <laughs> was Halo Jones! <laughs> I can't beat our final con conversation of the episode for what comes next for these creators or our final thoughts about Halo Jones. We went went fully in on that. I think it speaks for itself for the most part. It's a great story told well, an amazing achievement in 2000 AD, and, and makes for an episode that's almost three hours long. I will say at this point, I think I like book two of Halo Jones the best. Book three suffers a bit from sort of being a story of two war zones. If book three was just from the start to when Halo re-enlists in the military, it'd be my favorite bar none. All that said, what do you think of Halo Jones? 
British comics masterpiece, overrated weep fest? Let me know what you think by email at spacefinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2008 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at spacefinner 2 k for everything else over spacefinner2000, and we should be there. You can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or on our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Thanks for listening to this collection. We'll be back soon with more awesome 2000 AD action. Until then, I'm Conrad, and this has been the Space Spinner 2000 Collection for Halo Jones. Splendig Verthrix!